don't have quorum to call the meeting to order. Um, our council colleague, um, Malia Vela, is giving closing remarks at the, uh, we were, some of us were at a very exciting Green Strides tour of two of our elementary schools in Alameda, which receive statewide recognition for their environmentally friendly green um, initiatives. Uh, and so, uh, Councilmember Vela, who works for the State Superintendent of Public Education is giving closing remarks at the tour and will join us as soon as possible. Um, are we checking on Councilmember Jensen? Yes, I did, yes. Okay, I saw her earlier today at the tour. Um, so, uh, you know, we, we do our best. <laughs> Benson and Herrera Spencer have arrived. So, um, with that at 5.03, I will call the um, City Council meeting of the City of Alameda. Today is Tuesday, September 19, 2023. I'll call this meeting to order. We're going to start with a special City Council meeting. I'm going into closed session, but I'm going to turn it over now to City Clerk Laura Weisinger to please take the roll. Vice Mayor Desog? Here. Council Members Herrera-Spencer? Present. Jensen? Here. Mayor Asiashcraft? Present. Or present, and Council Member Vela will be joining us On her way after she delivers her closing remarks. Okay, so we will start with the consent calendar for the closed session. These are routine items, um, basically approving our negotiators. And so um, what I'm looking for is a motion to approve. So moved. It's been moved by Council Member Jensen, seconded by Vice Mayor Desog, who's feeling a little under the weather. Um, and, and so um, all those in favor, um, we can do yep. voice vote. Yeah, signify by stating aye. 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 Okay, I believe that was four. Um, so four in favor, and um, we're missing Council Member Vela. So, Madam Clerk, do we have any public comment on our closed session items? We do. Uh, Teal Hardin. All right. Um, welcome. Hello. Hello. Good evening, everyone. Um, thank you for having me, Mayor, Vice Mayor. Sorry you're feeling under the weather, and um, rest of the council members and city staff. So my name is Teal Hardin. I am the new executive director at the Alameda Food Bank. For the past four years, I've been the program manager at the Food Bank. Um, and upon Cindy House's retirement, I have been promoted to the executive director position. So for the past 45 years, the Alameda Food Bank has been an essential service, ensuring that the most vulnerable Alamedans have access to food in a dignified and supportive manner. Um, these days, we're seeing more dual income households, families with small children and uh, single, excuse me, um, senior citizens on fixed income than we ever have before. Today, we're serving about 10% of the island population, about 1,000 families a week. Just yesterday, we distributed over 700 pounds of food to Alameda Unified School District to better support students who are experiencing food insecurity at home. This is only possible through the dedication of our more than 250 volunteers, thousands of donors, and a whole host of local partners, including the city of Alameda. We're grateful for this partnership and excited by the prospect of a forever home so the city can move forward with their efforts to develop the base. AFB is prepared to self-fund construction of a new facility 
uh, in order to expedite our timeline of vacating Building 92. But we cannot do this without your continued support. We have been working diligently with city staff in order to identify the best location for our new home. Your support on this project would mean that the city of Alameda would be home to a state-of-the-art food bank uh, that would be able to serve residents today, um, those people who are just shy of making ends meet, while also being prepared for any emergency that might require any of us to receive more support than we ever imagined. The Alameda Food Bank is committed to serving our island community, but we cannot continue to fill this commitment without your support. Thank you for your consideration. Thank you. All right, Madam Clerk, any further um, public comment on the consent on the uh, closed session? There's none. All right, so with that, I will close public comment and we will go into closed session to hear the um, following two items. 4A is conference with labor negotiators pursuant to government code section 54957.6. The city negotiators are the city manager, human resources director, and outside counsel, Edward Kreisberg. And deputy city attorney, employee organizations, International Association of Firefighters, Local 689, under negotiation are salaries, employee benefits, and terms of employment. 4B is conference with real property negotiators pursuant to government code section 54956.8. The property is 677 West Ranger Avenue. It's 1.7 acres located on Pan Am Way between West Midway Avenue and West Ranger Avenue in Alameda. City negotiators are the city manager, base reuse and economic development director, uh, an acting management analyst, and assistant city attorney. Negotiating parties are the city of Alameda and the Alameda Food Bank. Under negotiation are price and terms of purchase. All right, thank you, Madam Clerk. So with that, um, council is going to adjourn into closed session, and uh, I'd like the staff um, for 4A to please join us, and for members of the public who might be watching, we will be back to you by 7 p.m. tonight. That's my commitment, and we're gonna get working on it now. All right, let's do it, thank you. <laughs> Some are more social than others, apparently, here, okay. Thank you, and good evening everyone and welcome to the Alameda City Council meeting. Today is Tuesday, September 19, 2023. The council has just recently come back from closed session and I am going to ask our city clerk, Laura Weisinger, if she would please announce um, the action, if any, that was taken in closed session. Regarding item 4A, which was um, labor negotiations uh, for the International Association of Firefighters Local 689, staff provided information and council provided direction um, by three O's with council member Herrera Spencer voting no and council member Bella absent. Uh, regarding the second item, which was real property negotiations with the food bank um, for the sale of property, um, the city council um, or staff provided information and council provided direction uh, and that passed by five eyes. Thank you very much. With that, I will adjourn the um, closed session and I will call the special joint meeting of the City Council and the Alameda Public Financing Authority meeting to order and we will start with the Pledge of Allegiance. And I'd like to ask my colleague, um, Council Member Tracy Jensen, if she would please lead us in the pledge. One nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all.
Thank you, uh, Councilmember Jensen. Okay, um, Madam Clerk, could we have the roll call, please? Um, yes, and uh, I understand that, uh, just so everybody knows, Vice Mayor Desog is going to join us remotely momentarily. He is uh, doing his best to stay upright at this point because he's not feeling well. <laughs> feeling a little <laughs> under the weather, and so um, in order not to expose us all to whatever it is, um, he is going to join us by Zoom. Yes. So you and, um, and so we'll call the role of the City Council and the City of Alameda Financing Authority. Um, so uh, Council Member, Authority Member uh, Herrera Spencer. Present. Jensen. Here. Vela. Here. Uh, Mayor Chair Eziashcraft. Here. For present. Thank you. And um, Council Member Desog, as soon as he uh, joins us, will note his presence as well. Okay, so we have a, a consent calendar. And again, this is just a consent calendar for this special meeting of the Alameda Public Financing Authority. And so um, these are routine items. In fact, it is uh, just the, um, the uh, uh, minutes of the last meeting. So um, do, uh, do I have a motion to approve the consent calendar on the special meeting? So moved. It's been moved by Council Member Vela. Do I have a second? Second. Was that you, Councilmember Jensen? It's been uh, seconded by Council Member Jensen. And um, because we're expecting a remote member, do we need to do a roll He's call? He's not here yet. He's so not here he yet. Does, okay. So, <laughs> all all in favor, please signify by stating aye. 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 All right. That um, uh, the consent calendar motion was passed unanimously. And um, so then this is where we, um, Madam Clerk, help me, do we do our public comment before the item? Uh, no, we'll call the item and I think there's a staff presentation and we'll get into Perfect. public comment, yeah. Okay, full, great. Full hearing. All right, would you introduce our, um, the item on this special meeting, please? Sure, so this is a public hearing to consider adoption of a City of Alameda and a City of Alameda Financing Authority resolution authorizing the issuance and sale of City of Alameda Financing Authority 2023 lease revenue bonds for the City Aquatic Center in an amount not to exceed $16 million and approving certain documents in connection with the issuance and sale of the bonds and authorizing the city manager, assistant city manager, and finance director to execute the documents and take all related actions in connection therewith. Um, adoption of a resolution of the City of Alameda Financing Authority adopting amended bylaws and adoption of an uncodified ordinance on an urgency basis authorizing the city manager to enter into leases with the City of Alameda Financing Authority. The actions involved are categorically exempt from environmental review under the California Environment Equality Act under CEQA guidelines section 15332 info projects and just a couple typos. This is the City of Alameda Financing Authority and this um, CEQA section is 15332 not 322. So correcting those two typos. Welcome, um, Ms. O'Brien. Did you want to start out with any good news that you wanted to share? Oh, you usurped my, I was going to oh. do it in the middle. Oh, um, you're going to do it in the middle? I got to do my little happy Sorry. dance. So we actually, <laughs> Everyone we just, just forget everything you just forget. said. Yeah, we just heard from Moody's um, and we have a double A plus rating for this bond issuance and they affirmed the city's triple A rating for its geo bonds. So um, if you want to see a happy dance and yeah. a finance director having a great time in her office, <laughs> you should have been there when that uh, email came through. So I'm uh, very excited. No video on that? No, no thank God. Uh. 
Thank you. Well, sorry to steal your thunder. I was pretty excited That's when okay. I heard it. So um, take it away. Thank you. Okay, so the presentation before you is uh, about the financing tonight, and we want to draw attention to the fact that this is the City of Alameda Financing Authority is the correct entity, not the, the public Alameda Public Financing Authority, um, and this is City of Alameda Financing Authority is the correct entity, including all references and legislation. So on February 21st, 2023, the City Council authorized funding the Aquatic Center, which is estimated to cost approximately 30 million, and they authorized that funding as follows, up to 50%, 15 million of the construction costs of the project from the residual general fund balance, and financing the remainder through the issuance of long-term debt. Tonight's recommended action is to authorize the issuance and the sale of the 2023 bonds for the center in an amount not to exceed 16 million, and we will talk about that value in a moment, um, to fund critical additional pool space to meet the increasing and unmet community needs for competitive recreation and aquatic programs. The additional million of the, two th of the 2023 bond proceeds are to pay 2023 bond issuance costs, as well as approval of a contingency for any dramatic changes in market conditions prior to issuance to ensure the project funds of $15 million. We do not anticipate any dramatic changes. Um, it is on the vice of our, our, of our municipal advisor and our bond council that we go a little higher just in case the market shifts dramatically, incredibly dramatically, and we would have to come back. Um, the remaining funding in the center will be provided from general fund balance. The cost of issuance of the 2023 bonds is expected to remain within the total aquatic center funding of 30 million uh, based on conceptual design. So the plan of finance, uh, the leased asset that we are proposing to lease is the Alameda Police Administration Building. You'll hear me call it the PAB because that was a lot of words otherwise. Um, we researched all of our available property inventory and the PAB has sufficient valuation and is currently unencumbered with any debt. The building we're sitting in is still holding debt, so we can't use this as an asset. Um, the issuer is the City of Alameda Financing Authority. The purpose is to finance a portion of the acquisition, construction, and equipping of the new City Aquatic Center and pay the costs of issuing the bonds. The security for this is the semi-annual lease payments made by the city's general fund for use and occupancy of the leased asset, which is the PAB. The city agrees to annually budget and appropriate lease payments, standard general hazard insurance plus two years of rental inter interruption. And the city has the right to withhold lease payments if the use of the leased asset is reduced. There is no requirement because we have such a lovely um, credit rating for this issuance. There is no requirement by investors to set aside monies in a debt service reserve fund due to the city's high bond rating. And um, there was the thunder that was taken from me. The tonight's S&P Global <coughs> assigned an A plus, AA plus, double A plus stable rating. So I'm very, very excited. Uh, capital project for the series 2023 bonds. Funding of the project at this time provides financial certainty to lock in interest rates for the bonds and ensure funds are available when needed. We are moving forward with the financing now as interest rates have been increasing steadily since we last saw the city council um, and the city council provided direction to finance the 15 million of project costs. We have concerns that interest rates could continue to increase and we are trying to take advantage, advantage of current market conditions. If rates decrease in the future, the city 
could then refinance at a lower rate, and that's not unusual for cities to do that with their bond issuances. For those who don't know, the Aquatic Center will be located on the western side of Gene Sweeney Park. Um, once again, it is projected to cost $30 million. Uh, it'll have a competitive and recreational pools, buildings with locker rooms, office space, community rooms, and associated lighting, lighted parking lots, plus other improvements. The city has hired Griffin Structures, Inc. as the project managers in July 2023, and, design start, and plans to have design starting late 2023, early 2024. And construction anticipated to start by the summer of 2025, and project is estimated to be complete in fall of 2026. The estimated principal amount that we anticipate actually um, issuing is 15 million and 15.065 million. This is based on current market conditions. We anticipate the this is what we anticipate the value to be. We do not anticipating anticipate issuing up to 16 million. Again, the delta is just a contingency, just in case something dramatic changes the market conditions prior to issuance to ensure that we have project funds of 15 million. And again, issuance costs are anticipated to be lower. The debt structure, um, there will be level annual payments of approximately 900,000 per year with the final maturity happening in uh, 2053. Payment dates of May, November, and the principal payment will be due in May. Um, the current market true interest costs are 4.37%. The lease payment securing the 2023 bond repayment will be paid from the general fund. The not to exceed parameters in the resolution, um, not to exceed the parameters of the principal, true interest costs and underwriters fees allow for the contingency should market conditions change. And then finally, um, on September 5th, we had a ratings meeting. Um, September, this is September 18th, but um, September 19th, we received our rating, very exciting. Um, and we are here for council consideration and hopefully approval. Tomorrow, we will post the preliminary offering statement. Um, on September 28th, we anticipate we will have our pricing and we hope to close this deal by October 17th. And that is all we have. So if you have any questions, I have oh. people on the line and others to help. Thank, thank you, um, uh, Finance Director O'Brien. And here we have our um, our vice mayor um, heroically, yeah, <laughs> and weekly waving. Um, do you, Madam Clerk, do you need to note his um, arrival for the? But he arrived at 7:10. Um, it's just we had the presentation up on the screen, so he was visible in the Zoom, but not on the screen yeah, here. No, so. understood. Yeah, well, welcome, Vice Mayor. Um, so, um, uh, Council, uh, Madam Clerk, do we have any public comment on this item? We do not. No. Oh, we or maybe. Todd Hickman just raised his hand. Um. Well, while we're figuring out public we comment, are there any clarifying questions? Well, he, I'm I, sorry, I, he, he is there. Okay. And I always I ask believe he should be able to for speak. clarifying questions from the council before oh. we go to our public oh, comment. Oh, okay, yep. Okay, any clarifying questions? Council Member Harris Spencer. Thank you, Mayor. Um, thank you uh, for your presentation, Director O'Brien. I do have a question in regards to the location. You said that it would be at Jane Sweeney Park. Is that 100% positive, or could it be changed at some point during the process? Oh, and I think, well, come on up and introduce yourself. <laughs> Welcome. Hi, 
Hi, good evening, Council Members. My name is Justin Long. I'm the Director of Alameda Recreation Parks Department. Um, Gene Sweeney is the, the desired location for the facility. I don't believe that we're going to be looking at any alternative sites for it. Uh, the actual layout of the site itself will vary a little bit based on the programming, the size of the pool, and the parking lot. But currently, that site is what we're selecting as, as the location of the pool. And I would, uh, Amy Woldridge, Assistant City Manager. Uh, yes, thank you. Thank you. Um, I would also add that that was direction from City Council to uh, for the location in the west end of Sweeney Park. Thank you. Uh, my next question is, uh, if we end up with an Olympic-sized pool, is there sufficient space at Gene Sweeney? Um, we've met with our design consultants, uh, Griffin Structures, and we did a preliminary fit test already. And so for the square footage required for the project, the site actually does fit the property for all the components in the program. Okay, and what about if, if um, we decide to have meets at, at, Olymp at, at an Olympic-sized pool, then would there be sufficient parking? Uh, yes, Council Member, we've uh, been in contact with Blue Rise uh, Ventures, which is the, manages the office park adjacent to the park, uh, and are going to be entering a joint use, uh, joint use agreement to uh, use their parking as overflow for when we do have those type of events. So uh, we'll have that ability to allow for additional parking should we need it. Thank you. And in the staff report, it referred to if we have events there, we could actually uh, earn revenues as part of that, but that, that there had not, we don't have numbers at this time. But do we have any indication that there is would be interest in that? Uh, uh, yes, Council Member, we do uh, believe there will be a tremendous amount of interest in having a pool of that size uh, and that capacity, as it will be the only one on this side of the sort of the Bay Area that will have that size pool. And do you have any indication of how much we, we could earn per event? Um, currently, the numbers are very preliminary, so I really don't want to get into a specific because it's just, given the program and with the pool and we're so preliminary in design phase, I don't believe I, I can give you a number at this time. All right, and at some point in the process, though, we will have that information before we decide which size pools to go with? Yes, Council Member, we are uh, developing the operating budget currently as with the programming for the uh, project itself. So we'll bring that forward. So we'll have an operating discussion before the selection of the pool size. Correct. All right. And um, I, I heard the Director O'Brien speak to she wants to do this now uh, to lock in the rate. Sounds like essentially that's the primary reason. Um, what would happen if we don't approve it tonight? Welcome back, Ms. O'Brien. Thank you. Um, it's, if we don't approve it tonight, then we wait and we take our we risk take a risk with the market being interest rates actually being higher. Um, so, that's thank the you. Risk. All right, um, uh, Councilmember Vela. And just uh, to to kind of uh, you clarify, Ms. O'Brien or Mr. Long or both, Mr. Long, Mr. Long. I think it's helpful for, for folks in the public to hear about what the, the order of the process will be, but could you just generally walk through what timelines we're, we're looking at for this, when some of these votes are gonna happen? Okay, we're talking so next year and years out, I'm assuming. Uh, yes, Council Member. Um, we are currently in the, the process with the consultant, so we are looking at the program. We are developing a detailed construction cost estimate so we can start to figure out the actual program for the RFP for going out to design. 
we are at a high level looking at potentially putting the RFP out in late October, early November, uh, then having the design development and community engagement meetings, and then coming back to the council in late spring with a design selection, and then put it out to bid, and then go out for construction in the fall of uh, 2024, and starting construction in 2025. Mayor, can I just add? Please. Um, the only thing I want to add is that we are have also talked about doing a site tour for uh, maybe a joint meeting of the City Council and the, par the Rec and Park Commission and doing that as part of the outreach and, uh, and organizing that on site. So for the public to join? Yes, like yes for the public, public and the Council yeah. and the Commission to join. Field trip, we love it. <laughs> um, Councilmember Valley, did you? Finish your questions. Okay. Any other clarifying questions before we go to our public speaker or speakers? All right. Thank you, Mr. Long. Um, and may we hear our public speakers, Madam Clerk? Todd Hickman. Welcome, Speaker Hickman. <clears throat> yes. Thanks. Thank you. I have concern with the money involved. Thirty million dollars is an incredible amount of money. I believe the resource for the community and having an Olympic-sized school would be fabulous. I fully want that and I agree with that but this is a lot of money we're talking about um, I'm particularly concerned about the bonds the 16 million dollars in bonds and the fact that the city is going to be paying 4.35 percent when the city has been loaning money to private business at two percent this doesn't make any sense um, I'm a little disappointed when um, one of the finance managers is asked about the revenue council member Spencer asked about this and it was a very reasonable question but no answers were given um, i find this very ironic as if this was small business we would have to know all these numbers up front before we got anywhere near this path of progress so again it is um well ironic and absurd that um we are this far along spending this much money burdening the taxpayers with this much debt and yet we still don't know what the revenue from the pool is going to be compared to what the expenses are going to be. It's also particularly telling that the um, building needs to be moved to a building with no debt. So the existing um, location of the pool has debt. I mean, who, who, who gets to do that? Cities, government agencies, private business has no such advantages. So we're just going to move this around because there's other debt. But again, council members, please don't get confused. I am pro the pool. I want this. I think it's a fabulous idea. It's an incredible opportunity for the community. Um, the community deserves this. Um, but again, the money, the money just doesn't seem to be grasped by the city council. I mean, we're just tapped out in every direction. Our sales tax is at 10.75%. I mean, I don't believe that can go any higher. Um, you know, our occupancy rate is at 14 plus percent. I mean, we're placing the city of Alameda at an extreme disadvantage with this excessive debt structure. I mean, the debts just go on and on and we get buried further and further. And this council seems to be so obsessed with their ascension to the state level and their future political career that they're neglecting the good citizens of Alameda and the businesses that have worked so hard um, to make this place that we all call home. And this council just takes and takes and takes. It was very painful for me to hear last meeting about the pay increase um, you know, for, for the council and, and the more for the mayor because she does more at the state level. It just doesn't make any sense. The debt is out of control. 
You have to get this under control. Please, please get it under control. Thank you. Thank you. Our next speaker. That was our only speaker. All right. Well, with that, we will close public comment. And I'm just going to jump in with my comments first. Um, we have had many discussions in this very room, the chambers, about the need for more aquatic facilities in Alameda. We are an island. Every Alameda child should learn to swim. And swimming, aquatic sports are something that you can do at any age and stage of life. It's, and it's just healthy and good to be able to be active. And so many, um, so many um, advantages of water sports. And I know the vice mayor is not feeling too great, but I think you were, you were a swimmer at one time, weren't you, vice mayor? And, no, no, okay, track, tennis, and all that. Maybe, maybe it's, um, for, yeah, you were, it's, okay, but we, we have swimmers on the, uh, on the council. But anyway, I think we're all swim fans. But anyway, I am solidly behind this proposal. Um, other comments, motion? Um, I, um, yes, uh, uh, Councilmember Spencer, go ahead. Thank you, Mayor. I, I do have comments, and I have another question in regards to your public speaker and bringing up the, um, the leased building, uh, the Alameda Police Administration building. Uh, what is the risk of uh, using that as the asset? Hi, it's it's actually a very minimal risk, um, and it's a minimal risk because we will continue to make sure that, or the council will continue to make sure that the debt service is budgeted on an annual basis, and those payments are made. And how many years is the debt service? Thirty years. Okay, and what is our unfunded pension liability currently? Off the top of my head, I do not know. All right, what about any um, debt that the city currently has? I didn't come with a whole list of the debt. Do you have an approximation? I do not. All right, um, uh, so I, appreci I appreciate those responses. Um, is there any other way that this could be financed that uh, would not um, be attached to the Al Alameda Police Administration building? There absolutely is. We could issue, out, go out to the voters and ask for a general obligation bond, um, and that would be the most secure way of financing it. Um, that would that would be the, the ideal way to finance it, but we have, the council has provided direction to go this way, so we are doing that. Okay, but the city has many buildings that we own. Why this one? We are using this one because we need an asset worth at least $16 million, which it is. Um, there is a charter requirement that we cannot, we were considering doing a lease lease back at the park where the aquatic center was being built of the aquatic center. We can't do that because there is a charter restriction on leasing, and I'll have to look at you even, at, look, at leasing um, parks, rec and parks properties. So we cannot do that. Um, we don't, you know, the library I do not think is available, and so, and neither is this building, so it's the, it's the PAB. Well, what about the buildings out at the point? Could they be used? The point is, I believe, restricted under the Navy agreement that those, the revenues generated from buildings at the point have to be used at the point. Okay, what about the Carnegie building? The Carnegie building isn't worth enough. What if we, so personally, I'm reluctant to use the police building to do that. I think we really do need that building. I would, my preference would have been to use maybe other buildings that, do we not have any, like what if we did two other buildings? No? I've, I've looked, I have turned over every stone and, and recognize that the police administration building was used previously before and the notes were paid off. 
Um, I have, we have tried every combination to put together buildings. It is not there. Okay, so then I guess my preference would have been to include the, those numbers so that we could see as members of the public and council uh, what, what the values are of those to make sure that we only have one building that <laughs> works with this uh, plan. Um, thank you. Mm -hmm. All right. Any other questions, comments, motions? Councilmember Jensen. Um, for Director O'Brien. Um, <laughs> Don't go. Don't go Just too far. one more. What is going to be the... Um, the payment with regard to this this arrangement, this um, lease agreement. What is there going to be any um, any public payment? Will there will this be assessment on on our residents' tax bills or commercial tax bills or any other um, assessment for our residents of Alameda? No, I appreciate the question. Um, no, there is nothing. No assessments on the residents of Alameda. This is coming from the general fund. Great, thank you, mm -hmm. uh, Councilmember Vela. This isn't a, a question. I, I think where we're at is ultimately the interest rates could potentially go up. They most likely uh, will go up. Uh, the price tag of $30 million isn't necessarily the price tag. That's the cap that this council set in terms of the, the most we'd be willing to spend on this uh, aquatic center. Um, I do think that there's a number of really important meetings that are coming up where we're going to be making decisions that will impact the, the total cost as well as uh, what's involved and what sort of amenities are included. Um, my ask is really that when we, that before we actually have uh, the spring meeting um, where we select the design, that we do have that meeting, that joint meeting. And, and my ask would be that we have that joint meeting at least one month before we have the design meeting so that there's adequate time to shift and, and give feedback in a way that by the time, you know, it almost needs to be at least 60 days before just because of when um, council, uh, when staff reports are going to be due to council. So I just want to keep that kind of spring timeline in mind and make sure that we're giving staff enough time to really have that meeting um, that we have in person allow for real feedback before the item actually comes before the council. I think we do ourselves and the community a disservice if we schedule them too close together so that it's not really an opportunity for real feedback. Um, so that's one request I have. The other request is that when we have that, um, that site-specific walkthrough, um, that we, we map out uh, what the possibilities actually look like and put some stakes in the ground and, and, and have some strings so that we can see this is what, um, understanding of course that the siting may be different in terms of the exact location of the different types of pools um, or the, uh, the, the configurations, but that we can just really see um, and that the public can see kind of what the difference is between 30 meters or 50 meters, that sort of thing. Um, just like we do when we, we have design review meetings and what we did at Del Monte where we kind of put the, put the, uh, the poles up so that we could really see and understand what the volume would look like. So those would be my requests. I'm gonna be supporting this tonight. Um, I think it makes sense and it's the prudent thing to do to make sure that the funds are there um, depending on what the decision is by the council. Would you like to signal your support with a motion? I would like to say my support with the motion. Do so I have a second and then we'll do discussion? Second. Second, second from Councilmember Jensen. All right, uh, discussion, Councilmember Herrera-Spencer. Thank you, Mayor. And I uh, want to add that when this comes back, do we anticipate we will have at that time the revenue um, options? 
Yes, Council Member, when we bring back the design options, we will have a full operating plan and the impacts of the decisions that are made about what is in the program, whether it's a 30 meter or a 50 meter pool, plus what other type of amenities will be there as well. And that will all be presented when, when we're uh, doing our workshops with the public. That is correct. All right, and it will include um, consideration of a diving well? I, preliminary in the program, there is a diving well included in the what we're calling the warm pool, which is the, the pool that is adjacent to the larger pool. It, it's a depth situation where, um, as what we're looking at with design, again, this will be a design detail that we go through when there's cost implications, but diving is a program element currently in our design concept. Uh, I appreciate that, uh, and so I so that completes my questions. But I do plan to support this. As I said, um, I would have preferred a different uh, building. However, I'm confident this will actually uh, motivate uh, staff to make sure that the payments get made. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, but um, I do think it's important. Honestly, I have I hope we will land on having an Olympic-sized pool. It is something that we do not have currently in our city. I do think it provides a different type of opportunity for swimmers. Uh, and I also uh, look, hope that we'll be able to include a diving well for that same reason. I think it's important for the public of all ages to be able to have those opportunities. And as you said, right, uh, there's not an Olympic-sized pool on, was it, in the East Bay, how far out do we have to go? Um, you'd have to go out uh, across the hills over to like the Central Valley Pleasanton, Dublin area right. in order to get a pool of that size. Yeah. So, so I do think it complements the um, athletic opportunities in our community. So I, th I think it's a great thing to be trying to, to, to accomplish. And so I will be supporting it. Thank you. Great, and I wanna call on our Assistant City Manager, Amy Woldridge. Thank you, Mayor. Um, just to underscore uh, one thing that Director Long said is that um, to Councilmember Vela's point, we not only will have options when we have the public input and the joint meeting, but when we bring it to Council, we will be bringing you options um, to give us to give direction for the final design. Sounds great. Thank you, Vice Mayor. Um, do you know? Okay, <laughs> Madam Clerk, may we have a roll call vote, please? Vice Mayor, Authority Member Daysog? Yes, yes. Jen, uh, Herrera Spencer? Aye. Jensen? Aye. Vela? Aye. Mayor Ashcraft? Aye. That carries by five ice. Oh, that's perfect. Um, thank you so much, everyone. Okay, I am going to ask for um, a, an agenda change motion, and I'll explain to you why. As um, I think we all can see, if yes, you're seeing my poor colleague on the screen there, he's um, fading fast. We have another um, item that potentially needs four, then not potentially, it needs four votes um, to pass, and so I would like to, to hear that while we have um, all five of us present. And so that is item uh, seven, help me out, Madam Clerk. Seven Diaz and Dog. Diaz and Dog. Correct? Oh, yeah. And did you want to also do 5J? I'm sorry. I thought you were talking about 5J. Oh, what am I talking about? The, um, oh, um, yes. Yes, ma'am. Okay. So um, so what I'm looking for is a motion to... Uh, uh, see, 5K. Manager. 5K, okay. 5K, so we've got two second readings of, um, of leases of, of um, city property, and they all require four votes. That's four, not eight. Um, but... Um, so what I'm looking for is a motion to hear, and in that numerical order, would that 
be the best? Sure. Um, okay, and to hear right now next items 5J, 5K, and 7D. Okay, do I have a motion? Um, Madam Mayor, just to clarify, by pulling these, are we adding extra time to the public comment? Should we at least see if, if there's other items from consent that are going to be pulled or if it's possible to just vote on consent and no, any no votes before we um, do that? What uh, what what would the clerk parliamentarian sure, recommend? That that works. We do we do have speakers on the consent calendar, and we don't we don't know what item they will, and I don't sure. know if there's remote speakers. Yeah. But um, but if the if you wanted to call the whole consent calendar, if no council members are going to pull those two items, we could do that. Um, so. You know what? Um, could we possibly hear the all good living? Could we just flip the um, flip the order and hear the all good living? That's uh, regular item seven D, and then we'll go to our consent calendar, and then we can kind of work out the speaker uh, timing after that. So. Um, if that works for everyone, I do need a motion to uh, so move, make that uh, uh, Moving to uh, move up item 7D ahead of the consent calendar. Okay, and then, um, well, it's... Uh, and ahead of oral I, communication. I just, I just need two items while we have Councilmember Day, so I have two that would need to... Okay, so motion um, for that, seconded by Councilmember Jensen. All those in favor, uh, we need a roll call vote. Uh, <laughs> Vice Mayor Daysock? Yes. Councilmember Horace Spencer? Aye. Jensen? Aye. Bella? Aye. Mayor Zashkraft? Aye. Carries by five eyes. Okay, perfect. That's the yeah, okay. Yes. So we're moving right along to we item 7D. <laughs> Would you introduce that while the city manager, I know she's going to have her staff come on up. Yes. Thank uh, you. Introduction of ordinance authorizing the city manager to execute a 59-month lease with All Good Living Foundation for the property located at 1900 Thalway, Alameda, California, in accordance with the California Environmental Quality Act. This action is exempt from further environmental review pursuant to CEQA guidelines section 156. 301 existing facilities. Welcome. Would you like to introduce yourself? Yes. Good evening, Madam Mayor, City Council. My name is Lois Butler. I am the Economic Deve Development Division Manager in the Base Reuse and Economic Development Department. And I'm here regarding a lease um, with All Good Living Foundation for the property that is located at 1900 Thalway. Next slide, please. The food bank um, leased this site from um, February 1st to, excuse me, 1991 to uh, February 1st, 2016, and then it uh, switched over to a month-month lease. The food bank notified the city that they ceased to operate out of the food bank trailer because the building and limited parking were no longer adequate. Uh, to meet their needs. All the operations of Food Bank have moved to 650 uh, West Ranger. Uh, next slide, please. And that's a temporary move. All Good Living Foundation is a nonprofit focused on supporting vulnerable children with basic needs. They're interested in taking over the use and maintenance of the building and associated premises. Alameda Food Bank owned the trailer and donated it to All Good Living Foundation. That's a new development. All Good Living Foundation's use would be similar to the food bank and includes an on-site office and storage and distribution of clothing, toiletry, and food to children and others in need, including students, families, 
staff and uh, the unhoused. There is no impact to the aquatic park, uh, center, excuse me, or the Gene Sweeney Park uses. Next slide. Slide four. Thank you. Um, I don't know what slide that is. Can you back it up? Oh. Okay. All Good Living Foundation has been in existence for roughly five years and has been a fully formed uh, nonprofit for about three. They essentially, um, excuse me, they fill essential community needs by providing clothing, shoes, toiletries, and gift cards to the homeless students and other vulnerable children in need. They provide a community closet with, um, for McKinney Dental um, students. Those are homeless students. And uh, staff and children in need um, of assistance. They also provide uh, the Alameda Police Department and Alameda Family Services with um, socks, toiletry, and uh, kids' clothing. They recently began to um, expand their services throughout Alameda County. Uh, the proposed lease terms are as follows. Um, next slide. Uh, $1 a year for uh, the lease. Um, for a term of uh, four years and 11 months with a six-month notice to vacate the land. And at the end of the term, the trailer becomes the, the city's. Okay, so next slide. Thank you. Um, why lease uh, to All Good Living Foundation? Um, they are doing important work in Alameda. Uh, they provide the community with clothes and pantry, uh, uh, food items, um, and they support the basic needs of the unhoused. They provide healthy snacks, uh, clothing, hygiene products, and other essential needs uh, for children. Uh, they also work with the Alameda um, School District and other schools to arrange on-site closets that are open to students and their families and educators. They are able, and this is key, to uh, productive, productively reuse the trailer and maintain it um, at the existing site. Um, and they are a comparable uh, social service use. Otherwise, uh, it would be, uh, uh, it's zoned um, open, um, it's zoned for open space. Um, this um, is, the staff's recommendation. Um, I recommend that um, council approve this item and um, it concludes my presentation. Do you have any? Thank, go ahead. Thank you, Ms. Butler. Um, and Madam Clerk, before we go to public comment, and I'm assuming we have public comment. Um, let me see, sorry. We do. Okay, so before we go to public comment, any clarifying questions from the council for Ms. Butler? Councilmember Harris Spencer. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Ms. Butler, for your presentation. Uh, my first question goes to right at the end there. I believe I heard that uh, this 
uh, property is zoned as open space. Is that correct? And I see, this is not Ms. Butler, this is Mr. Thomas. Yeah, Want to introduce uh, yourself? Every once in a while I have issues, so I needed to sit for a minute. Oh, absolutely. Um, and so Do you the, mind if I sit? Not at all. Please Thank sit. You. And you know what, Mr. Thomas, you can take this question about the zoning, can you not? Yeah, why don't you step up to the microphone? Welcome. The question was about the zoning for the mm -hmm. site. Yes, it's compatible with the zoning. The, this use, and it has been compatible with the zoning. My, my question is, what is the zoning? Oh, what is the zoning? Open space. All right, so then how is a trailer open space? It's a... So I can, I can see it now. Can you hear me? Oh. Okay. Um, so the site is zoned open space, but because um, the food bank was located on um, that site, um, they are um, grandfathered in. And um, if you want additional information, um, our planning director, acting director is here. Yes, please. So um, I appreciate that response, but in regards to being open space, what is the definition of open space for zoning purposes? Mr. Tai, or do you want to have Andrew or Ms. Good evening. Um, Alan Tai, Acting Planning Building Transportation Director. So uh, what Ms. Butler, what Ms. Butler said is correct. This is an existing building that has been um, in the open space use for a long time, and it is therefore a legal non-conforming use. And under the AMC, um, the use can remain, new tenants can move in as long as um, the building is not removed or demolished. All right, and uh, what is the city's plan in regards to how long this trailer will be in open space? So, so the lease is for, if, if it's approved, it's for, uh, four years and 11 months, and it says it cannot be renewed unless the council downline decides to change that. It would be four years and 11 months. And I heard that it's being grandfathered in because of those prior, so if someone wanted to come today and put a trailer in open space, uh, how, how does that work? Uh, Mr. Tai? <laughs> Thank you. Um, so uh, with a new use, it would have to comply with the zoning code today. So under today's zoning rules for the open space district, uh, it would have to go through a use permit process. And, um, and even then, the use has to be related to, um, per, related to an open space use. For example, a concession for a park. Um, clearly, if, if this building was not there today and it was being proposed, it cannot go into the zone because it's not related to providing public open space. Okay, so I appreciate that. And in regards to 59 months, there's a discussion in the um, press, in the staff uh, report that it's 59 months because of the California State Surplus Act somehow. And can someone address, explain what would happen? Is it possible that this property could actually be used for housing? How does the Surplus Lands Act apply to this when it's open space? Mr. Thomas, um, and then go ahead. I'll, you can start. I'll start. <laughs> okay. Um, surplus Lands Act 
limits um, are this lease to the to the less than five years. Um, if we want to do more than five years, we would have to go through um, a process of making the site available um, or at least solicit interest from affordable housing um, providers uh, for this for the um, if they were interested in purchasing or leasing this land. Um, it is zoned open space, though. So I know, that so doesn't make a lot of sense. Okay, so this is what I'm trying to figure so, out, right? So I appreciate right. that. Yeah. So, but in how this does case, this we have a, as Alan was, excuse me, as Mr. Ty was saying, we have a non-conforming use. We have a good proposal in our <coughs> view for this trailer. Um, we wanted to support this this nonprofit. Um, if you, the council chooses not to go with this lease um, or license, um, then um, you know you can always choose to remove the move the trailer and make it open space. But. All right, because we did have a, a proposition, I believe, you know, measure that people went out and collected signatures to make it so our open space has to be used, my understanding is, as open space and cannot be sold or for some other use. Right. Okay, so. There's all, right, that's another reason why making it available for affordable housing might not work. How could that work? It can't. All right, so I'm trying to figure out why we're talking about why that's in there. Why is why is the there a discussion? The Surplus Lands Act doesn't allow us to enter into a longer agreement, license or lease, than five years. So that's why we're limiting it to four years. All right. Okay. So, um, okay. Then I also want to know what was the process to. Uh, selecting this nonprofit over other nonprofits. Were all nonprofits in Alameda given the opportunity uh, to uh, 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 apply to have this building? Um, no, this was not. This was us. Lois, do you want to answer this? Sure, sure. Um, so we're. <coughs> okay, so why this nonprofit? Um, we feel that. Um, all Good Living Foundation is a very strong community collaborator, and um, they have a history of helping the homeless. And this organization um, has several community clothing pantries, as I said before, um, set up in Alameda. Um, the Alameda Food Bank um, contacted us and asked us if if we would give a lease to All Good Living Foundation because they did not want to, um, they did not want to use the property anymore. And so um, we wanted to bring this forward um, because we thought it was a good use. We um, also looked at this use for uh, Village of Love and they um, could not fit within the space. And so, um, no, it didn't go out to RFP. Um, only certain uses that were similar in type to um, the um, um, Alameda Food Bank could even use that trailer. Uh, they, they had to be an existing um, social service type use that was similar to um, the Alameda Food Bank. 
So my question was, was there a public process to allow all nonprofits in Alameda oh, to? Yeah, I'll, I'll be happy to step in. If it's a, no, there was not. I think yeah. staff's recommending this because for the reasons that Ms. Butler said, we thought that it, not only does it conform with the grandfathered use, but it also provides a safety net service to homeless children in the city. All right. Uh, my next question is uh, the dollar a year that this nonprofit will be paying for uh, this space. Uh, what is the market rate if the city were going to offer this uh, as a space for, you know, for what is the market rate? Yeah, we did is not conduct an appraisal or do that. And, and if as an open space use, it would be highly limited and that value would be very low. Does anyone know what the market rate is? How, what's the square footage of this trailer? I don't have the square footage of the trailer. We're not leasing the trailer. We're leasing the land. And we also don't own the trailer. And what is the square footage of the land? One second, please. It's approximately, uh, from my memory, 10,000. It's just over, it's over 10,000. 10,050 10, square feet, according to the first uh, paragraph of the executive summary on page one of the staff report. All right, so does anyone know, um, I'll just say building out the point, uh, PICA, for instance, what, what are they paying uh, the same rate if it were? You can't, you can't compare it. It's, this is zoned open space. So if you were to do an appraisal, you'd be appraising open space parkland. So okay, maybe, that's why we don't have an appraisal. Okay, what about the golf course? That's public. So uh, like do they? What, what's, depends on the concession, I mean. Okay. And then, uh, so I appreciate that answer. My next question goes to All Good Living. Does anyone know who the um, uh, director or owners, who, what's, who are the people involved with All Good Living? So Chris Tam is the executive director. All right. Um, Chris Tam, was he any relation to Neil Tam? I believe it's his son. And that is the, Neil Tam, the one that served on school board and got the building named after him at the school district? I, I don't know that information. I see uh, our PIO nodding her head. All right, thank you very much. I guess I was just trying to understand the relevance to this item, but um, uh, Councilmember Bell, did you have your hand up? or? Well, I didn't know if you had any more clarifying questions. Okay, no more clarifying questions. Let's hear from our public um, speakers, please, Madam okay. Clerk. We have five speakers, um, so they'll get three minutes each. The first one is Augustin Garcia. Welcome, Speaker Garcia. Hey, everybody. Uh, thank you very much. On this particular item, I was wondering um, what is the impact on the neighborhoods um, of having a location that is uh, assisting with and, and bettering uh, homeless people. So um, for clarification, uh, sir, this is public comment. It's not Q&A, um, but um, thank you for stating your question and you have still time remaining. No, really, that's, that's all I wanted to, 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 to really say. I think Alameda does a, does a great job in taking care of, of homeless. I think they have a tremendous outreach. Um, I think the more avenues that we give to help uh, uh, families and individuals in need, 
uh, is is awesome. Um, but I was just wondering um, about that. You know how how many more avenues do we have to provide? Uh, the the lady mentioned that the Alameda County Food Bank asked if they could put that here, and I was wondering if those same type of questions went out to say Piedmont or Montclair or any of the other locations. Um, so I don't know, just food for thought. Thank you for your comments. Okay, next speaker. Shelby Sheehan. Welcome, Speaker Sheehan. Hi there. Um, so I just have a short comment on this. Um, first of all, I'm disappointed that it was the order of hearing was changed. And I think it's preventing probably people who expected to hear it later from having their um, their views or, or comments uh, shared with the public. And I think that that is not a good idea. Um, so, and so that brings up um, an ongoing issue with this kind of stuff. And it's pertinent to this item. When items are heard before council at these open meetings, um, you know, the public asks questions, but they're not answered. Um, uh, council member Spencer just asked a series of completely legitimate questions that are going unanswered. And then after this, without those um, questions being answered, these items are then put on the consent calendar and we're never able to have answers to these legitimate questions. Um, and I and I think that for this item and any other that that happens to maybe there can be a post meeting um, uh, public release or they should stay on the calendar for the public until those questions are answered, especially questions of legality like the zoning. Um, and then the, my last thing I want to say, if there are legal questions, which, um, for example, what Ms. Spencer asked. I think it's fine if the planning director or planning staff answers them, but they should their answers should be checked by the city attorney verbally whether they have answered accurately as to the legalities of it or not. And I personally have brought up a lot of questions of legalities on previous uh, projects and items, and no one has ever confirmed or denied whether I was right. And it's the city attorney's duty to do so. And it's his duty to let the public know what his decision is. So I would like those things to be followed up in that manner. And I'm also going to respond later in the same about another item. So that's it for tonight. Thank you. I hope this makes a change in people's abilities to comment. Thank you. Our next speaker. Uh, Chris Tam. Welcome, Speaker Tam. Good evening, everybody. Good evening, Mayor Ashcraft, Vice Mayor Desog, and City Council members. My name is Chris Tam, and I'm the Executive Director of All Good Living Foundation. We would just like to thank you for your consideration to lease us the land for our nonprofit. We currently provide free clothing, school supplies, toiletries, and food for students, families, and Alameda, Alameda educators in need. This space will help us store and distribute more donations for our community closet programs. And um, just to answer the gentleman's uh, question, we um, it's not gonna be a site where uh, families go to us. We distribute the products at the schools or the school district building, and then the staff uh, helps the, the families and the students. 
Thank you for your time. Thank you. Our next speaker. Todd Hickman. Hi, welcome, Speaker Hickman. Yes, I appreciate the previous speaker's comments. Um, I do have to ask the question on this particular issue is, is um, council member Spencer the only council member that has a clue? Is she the only one that put in the time and thought processes into this? Is she the only one that doesn't spend all her time lobbying for her future career at the state level and actually is worried about the citizens of Alameda? Because I hear her as the only one that truly has a grasp and understanding of what we're talking about. Um, even though I fully support um, this social program, I think these are very legitimate questions from Ms. Spencer and the public in general and their concerns. I mean, even the first gentleman asked a rhetorical question and yet the good mayor did not grasp that concept and she went on to push her agenda and try and influence the outcome. She tried to talk to his public comments and illegally turn it into an agenda item when she just doesn't grasp the subject matter. So this is getting to be a very bad habit. Um, what I do appreciate on the good side of this subject is what I heard from staff. I believe the staff is really coming to their own and they're really doing a fabulous job. I believe that the city manager has broken the chain of politicians directly communicating with their staff and trying to undermine the actions of staff um, and the city as in its responsibility to the taxpayers and the voters. So I believe that's a good thing. Um, myself, I've seen numerous public records requests of city council members barking orders to underlings um, below the city manager level, and that is fundamentally wrong. That's not how this works. So I believe that um, Ms. Ott has corrected many of these um, problems and has the city on the right path. Um, but we still do have four of the council members that are just obsessed with their state careers and don't really grasp the issues at hand and can continually try to disrupt the process and interrupt the process and put words in people's mouths and try to push their agenda instead of listening and actually making sure the public concerns are answered. This makes it seem very scandalous to the public and that just angers us even more and it makes it makes us call you out even more. Um, so once again, I really appreciate um, Ms. Spencer's um, actions, comments, research, understanding of these issues and the fact that she was actually able to vet this process. I appreciate the first caller and asking his rhetorical question, which should have been reflected upon by the city, but no, the mayor jumped in to push her agenda. And then I particularly um, appreciate the third speaker and her insight, and I really look forward to what she's gonna say about the next issues going forward, because she really nailed some of the key issues right on the head of the nail. And I really appreciate good public speakers and people that understand. Thank you. Thank you, our next speaker. Jennifer Rakowski. Welcome, Speaker Rakowski. Hello, thank you. I want to strongly support this project. I am thrilled by this. I have been a member of one of AUSD's roundtables, and I have directly seen students benefit from the work of the All Good Living Foundation. This is a nonprofit with deep roots in the city and a really close alignment to the work that was being done at the trailer with the food bank. Um, I think this is a phenomenal use of 
the space for the next four years, and I could not uh, endorse this project more fully. And I am just a resident here. I have no affiliation with the organization or the food bank. I am just seeing the public benefit of this collaboration and it excites me. Thank you. Thank you. Our next speaker. Marilyn Rothman. Welcome, Speaker Rothman. Uh, hello. Um, I second what the previous speaker said. I am fully uh, endorsing the use of the uh, food bank uh, trailer for this organization. It couldn't be it couldn't be any better as far as supporting um, the needs of Alamedans. Thank you. Thank you. Our next speaker. That was our last speaker. All right. With that, we will close public comment on item 7D. Um, Councilmember um, Vellan. Um, Madam Mayor, and I, I think uh, a number of us read the packets ahead of time and ask staff a number of questions ahead of time and uh, read through our emails. And, and um, certainly, there's members of the public who reach out uh, prior to meetings, having uh, made use of the fact that the packet gets posted uh, far in advance and that we um, have these items out uh, as transparent as possible. And, and so with that, uh, and with the clarity to the question that was asked, which was answered uh, by Chris Tam, who is the executive director of All Good Living, this uh, space is gonna be used for storage. It's gonna be used for them to sort and to perform logistics. They then go and bring the items to different school sites and school districts where they're then distributed to students in need. And for those of you who aren't working in education, McKinney-Vinto students are, are some of our most vulnerable. There are students that are um, unhoused, um, oftentimes uh, have the, the most uh, attendance-related um, issues, uh, have uh, the mo they account for um, the student population that is attributed to um, what we call uh, instability. So we look, when we look at stability data in terms of when students stay uh, at the same school uh, for continued periods of time, those are the students that, that have the most instability uh, and they're the students most in need. And that number across the state of California has, has grown substantially. That number has grown substantially here in the city of Alameda. And so um, this is a, a foundation that has partnered with a number of our schools. It started with a little closet uh, at Payton and it's grown substantially um, here in the city and, and uh, throughout the Bay Area. And so with that, uh, Madam Mayor, I'd like to move approval. Thank you for that motion. Um, and I'm going, to, um, I, I'm going to look for a second for the motion, but I, I just wanna say, um, a quick, well, quickly, I am going to reopen public comment. A speaker put in a slip and they misunderstood which um, letter item they were um, wanting to speak on. It was actually this item and so um, they made the correction to the city clerk. So for this particular individual who's here in the audience, we're gonna call on them. Madam Clerk. Um, it's Mark Kersman and since he is now the seventh speaker, he'll get two minutes only. Oh, we haven't, no. We haven't <laughs> you are not late. We um, changed the order of the items because our one council member who's on camera isn't well. He's at home and he's not going to last too much longer. So we bumped up one that we needed four votes for. You are perfect. So it is 7C, 7C, Madam Clerk. But this gentleman here is. Sorry, we're a little bit. <laughs> okay, it's Gabriel Duncan. 
Okay, and you want to speak on this particular item, Mr. Duncan? Yeah, that's right. All right. All right. Come on up. And so this, it'll be two minutes, as the clerk indicated. Welcome. Cool. Uh, thank you for calling on me. Sorry about the confusion. I oh, wanted I'm to comment sorry. on two different things, but I'm sorry. I didn't know that this number was going to be moved up. Um, I just want to say that this is a great project um, and that supporting our children uh, and our staff are probably some of the important, most important things that we can do here in the city of Alameda to make sure that we have a strong and educated citizenship moving on uh, and that this will always lead to a more informed and more involved public uh, and that the best things that we can do is care for the next generation and that's just something that we should always, um, always try and do our hardest and our best and with the purest heart. Uh, and I don't think that we should stop here you know, there's a lot of stuff that's going on on the uh, on the base as far as reuse goes. Uh, there's a whole plan to make a huge center available, um, not only just for people who live there, but also for people who will be receiving more social services there. So I just want to put that on your radar, let you know, you probably already know this since you have to approve these plans, but just, it's really important and this is really exciting. So even if you don't pick a spot that's in open space, because I know that this could be a little hairy as far as the legalities go, maybe they deserve a bigger spot with more storage space so they can do even more than we're doing right now. Um, thank you. Thank you. Cheers. All right, and with that, I will close public comment. I, I understand there was a little confusion. Um, we don't do this often, but I'm gonna segue right on to what Mr. Duncan said. Um, it's like you were reading my mind, sir. Um, you know, just earlier today, all four of the council members here on this dais were out at a couple of our public schools because in Alameda, we had the honor of having not one but two of our schools be designated by the state, right? US Department, US, U.S. Department of Education, that's true. This is a national competition, the first time ever that Northern California schools have gotten this award and it's called Green Strides. My colleague who works, uh, is a deputy uh, in the um, uh, Department of Public education at, and in Sacramento has her beautiful green jacket on for that um, uh, award. But we also are mindful, and it was Bay Farm School out on Harbor Bay, and it was Edison School where I started my educational career. But anyway, we are also mindful when we're at the schools, and AUSD is a wonderful school district, there is a percentage of our students who are homeless, who some of them don't know where they're gonna sleep overnight because they couch surf. Others are sleeping out of cars, campers, couch surfing. This All Good Living Foundation has been supporting these children, giving kids what every child deserves, clean clothes to wear to school, backpacks, school supplies, toiletries, the sorts of things that those of us who didn't have to worry about finances when we were raising our kids um, or as we're raising our kids just took for granted. And so we also have two members on this school, um, on the city council now who are former school board members. And I believe that each of you served with Neil Tam, the late Neil Tam, a former um, school um, principal, one of the first Asian American individuals to hold um, district um, administrative positions in this school district. And certainly you know his son, um, Chris Tam, uh, one of his sons um, that um, uh, Neil Tam would be very proud of today for the work that he's carrying on. So I very much thank my colleague, Councilmember Vela, for making the motion to move this um, uh, proposal forward. Do I have a second? Second. 
All right. Um, and because, um, and Council Member Daysog, I'm Vice Mayor, I'm going to guess that you don't want to make comments or you're welcome to. <laughs> okay. Madam Clerk, move a roll call vote, please. I'm sorry, I'd like to make some comments. Um, certainly. Council Member Harry Spencer. I appreciate the opportunity. Um, earlier I had asked clarifying questions, but I would li like to comment. Um, my comments go to, um, I will not be supporting this item. I have concerns about the transparency of the process. I think it, we actually have to have an open process where, in this case, all of our nonprofits could have applied and not just uh, choose one that I actually think, as much as Chris um, Tam is doing very good work, um, and, and I did formally serve on the school board. Um, he is the son of a re, you know, former, well, I can say a renowned Alamedan. And so uh, my opinion, it is important that we always try to uphold the, uh, you know, address any concerns of the appearance of impropriety, which I think is a serious issue. Um, I, I do think it's critical that the city, when and a dollar a year for a building that's approximately ten, you know, an area that's over ten thousand square feet, all of us know that that is extremely generous of our city to do that, and we all also know that there are many, I think, nonprofits in our city. If we're going to keep it as a not as a place for nonprofits from our city, uh, that we actually ha should give them all an opportunity to go through the process and then let staff choose which one they think is better, make the recommendation and have it come to council. But I do think it's critical that we uh, be transparent in our selections. I also have concerns that we it is on open space. And I had heard years ago that whenever the food bank was done with it, that it would re revert to open space. And, and now it's, it's, that's not what's happening. Uh, they are, in fact, you know, the recommendation is to grandfather in a new nonprofit, keep the trailer there uh, for the 59 months, and that's intentionally not 60 months, so that then it doesn't trigger the Surplus Lands Act, which goes to housing, uh, providing housing first uh, for affordable housing, which is also something that. Um, is, is very important. So I think that you know it's important to either uphold, this, if we're gonna do 60 months, then do the Surplus Lands Act and give, uh, go through the process and uh, have affordable housing there if there's anyone that's interested in that. However, I do think that uh, the open space, you know, I would have liked to have heard from our community in regards to should this now go back to being open space it is adjacent to Gene Sweeney Park. We are talking about putting a, a swimming pool a center there. Uh, could, could it be a better uh, use? Uh, where is the community on all of these issues? Unfortunately, I feel like it's kind of just being, um, you know, really not fully uh, publicly vetted. Uh, so um, while I appreciate the work, I do think it's important that uh, we hold to more transparent processes. Thank you. Thank you. We've had a motion. It's been seconded. May we have a roll call vote, please? Vice Mayor Taysog. Yes. Councilmember Swear Spencer? No. Jensen? Yes. Bella? Aye. Mayor Azzi Ashcraft? Yes. That carries four to one. The motion passes. Thank you so much. All right. We're going to do a really quick pivot to the consent calendar. Madam Clerk, 
call it out what are we we're doing um I think the whole consent calendar, and then you'll just see if any items are perfect. We do have, yeah, yeah. a couple of speakers on consent. Hang in there, Vice Mayor. We're almost done with the consent calendar that we're about to start. Okay, Uh, so we will, okay, let me just change here. Um, The, okay, so now we're moving on to the, um, the consent calendar, and this is where, um, uh, the, let's see, so we've already done, and we don't. By the way, we don't have any um, uh, proclamations, and we're, we're going straight to the consent calendar. Then we'll come back to the other things. So, on the consent calendar, items of routine will be approved by one motion. Uh, members of the public may speak once for up to two minutes on the entire consent calendar. So, Madam Clerk, will you call the public comment on the consent calendar, please? Yes, uh, Greg Owens. Welcome, speaker, right here. Hi, come on up. Hello and good evening. Uh, I am Greg Owens. I am the uh, commander of the American Legion Post 647 here in Alameda. I'm also a commissioner on the Alameda County Veterans Affairs Commission. So I'm here today uh, representing the veterans groups of Alameda. Uh, First of all, I want to express our appreciation for what uh, uh, Alameda Park and Rec and the city has done as far as getting us uh, the Wi-Fi. We now have Wi-Fi in the building, and that helps us a lot. So we can get, uh, we can do Zoom meetings. Uh, also, just so you understand some of the things uh, us veterans are doing in the community, uh, we sent eight Alameda uh, City High School students to Sacramento for the uh, Boys and Girls State this year. Uh, California is uh, the only one that's uh, uh, had. Boys and Girls State. So we've heard from some of those students, and it was very good. Uh, we're going to have a Veterans Day event. So uh, we've been doing this past uh, three or four years. Uh, we're going to do that on Veterans Day, November 11th at 11 a.m. in the Veterans Memorial Building. Uh, we'll have the Alameda High School Band uh, play patriotic music as they've done before. Uh, the commanding officer of the Naval Reserve Base, uh, Captain Chase, will be the keynote speaker. Uh, this is just a few of the things that we do. We have the Great Ghost uh, unit of the Sea Cadets. They use the building quite often uh, when, they're, when they can't uh, be on the uh, Hornet. Uh, and we uh, do things like the oratorical contest. Now, uh, I won't, uh, don't mean to date uh, Vice Mayor Dason, <laughs> but he was our 1986 uh, winner of the oratorical contest for the American Legion. So. But just, uh, I'm just uh, saying, don't forget us. I appreciate the city has what they're doing, and I'll be to park and rec, and continuing to work with us and getting repairs. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you so much, sir. Um, you know, just for clarification, this is actually the consent calendar item um, five, but it is preceded by oral communication, which that might have been. Um, and um, Madam Clerk, do we have other uh, public comment on the consent calendar? We do. Um, Gabriel is. Oh, I missed you, Duncan. Oh, I can call the remote speakers while he's... Sure, yeah. uh, Shelby Sheehan. Okay, welcome, Speaker Sheehan. Hi there. Thank you for letting me speak. This is, I'm uh, as promised, I, I'm going to comment on the PICA item. Um, and as I said in my comment that's attached to the agenda, I want this item pulled due to uh, questions of legality that I brought up in that comment. Uh, just for the record, the primary legal issues are the provisions to give PICA possession 
of the whole four acre, par acre parcel and enclose it with construction fencing that obstructs public view of Seaplane Lagoon. First of all, the lease is supposed to be for 106,000 square feet of rentable space. However, the lease also grants the tenant exclusive use of the entire parcel and also guarantees it by allowing them to fence for it. Um, first of all, the city does not have the authority to um, permit fencing in the historic district and in the Tidelands Trust. And second, not only do these provisions give the tenant illegal possession of an additional 75 square feet of land area, but they also are not paying for it. Um, this, the, this, uh, these provisions, ex, uh, excuse me, violate the Tidelands Trust because it, it excludes the public from land in the Tidelands Trust and obstructs their rightful ability per the trust to the viewscape along West Tower to Seaplane Lagoon and along uh, Lexington and Saratoga. So the problem is these questions of legality were not addressed in last month's presentation by longtime planning director Thomas, and they still have not been answered. Therefore, the item should be pulled and these, item, these issues should be satisfactory and satisfactorily answered publicly by the city attorney before the item is voted on. And I do invite the city attorney to fact check me and provide the legal references if he disputes my assessment. That's it, thank you. Thank you, our next speaker. Gabriel. Welcome, Mr. Duncan, welcome back. Hi, um, so I was just looking over the consent calendar, found item 5B as in Bravo. Uh, which lists the number of bills for ratif ratification. When I looked at that document, I noticed on page two, you have a line item number, which lists the Alameda Historical Museum. Um, there was an amount of like $3,550 paid for property rental. And I just wanted to follow up on that and ask if we're renting property from the museum or if it's a different museum, if this is the Alameda Museum that's being mentioned or if it's the Alameda Historical Museum is a different uh, entity and also just on the consent calendar in general there are a lot of things that are being exempt from the CEQA um, act and uh, so therefore there's not a lot of discussion on the environmental impact uh, of a lot of these projects and it's just of my opinion that even though it's not something that's required it's something that we should at least consider at least in the very lightest of ways. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. Our next speaker. Uh, Todd Hickman. Welcome, Speaker Hickman. I really appreciate these progressive comments by the last two speakers, Ms. Sheehan in particular, bringing up all those questions of law and those real questions. Not, you know, the, the mayor just hijacking the item and giving her personal view, but no, no, we really want those questions answered. We want them answered correctly and truly. We want the city attorney to weigh in and give us the real answers. I mean, enough is enough. You can't continue this charade and not give the people the facts. Um, please, please give the people the facts. You, you just make it worse and you make the people suspicious of what you're doing and it goes on and on. So big picture on this PICA lease, um, again, all those points were very valid um, by the previous speakers, as well as this concept of blocking view corridors. Through the lease that you um, preliminarily granted at last council meeting, you have effectively bypassed the view ordinance and given the company PICA a waiver 
on the view corridor. You've reduced the view corridor from 180 feet to 60 feet, basically the road. I mean, don't you feel guilty calling the road the view corridor? Corridor. I mean, that, that that's a joke, right? Are, are you joking? Are, are you, what is wrong? Why, why would you say something like that? The street is the view corridor. No, no, that's the street. It has to be there no matter what. The view corridor is the 180 feet. Um, since the city council appears not to be able to do the right thing nor answer the legal questions, I'm going to call on the CEO of PICA to do the right thing. Pack those shipping containers behind your building, in front of your office, in front of your view. It's time you take one for the company. I mean, you sacrificed this long and this hard to make your company what it is. Take one for the people and have those shipping containers block your view, not our view. Help the city help itself. What they're doing is wrong. Stop the stealing of the view corridor. Thank you. Our next speaker. Uh, Carmen Reed. Welcome, Speaker Reed. Good evening, um, Mayor and City Council members. Um, so I submitted a letter regarding um, the lease with PICA. And as you may also know, I also uh, spoke at the last meeting and in support of the company. I think it's a, a, you know, it sounds like a great company. They're doing some very interesting work. Um, the CEO and um, his employees seem very energetic. And um, so I think that I, you know, it seems to me like they'll be really good tenants. Um, however, I, I do think that uh, as the previous speaker, Mr. Hickman also mentioned, um, as did um, Ms. Sheehan, that it is important to maintain the view of those corridors. So once you allow one tenant to build a fence uh, that's screened also, then you know it's likely that you might allow it for the next tenant. And then all of a sudden, we don't have views of San Francisco, right? So I think it's super important to maintain um, an open aesthetic and that's why in my letter uh, to all of you, I included photos of what the Presidio looks like. So the Presidio has all sorts of tenants, all sorts of businesses, but you don't see fencing around the properties. So what they've, uh, they have achieved um, a, uh, you know, a beautification around the properties with proper landscaping. So that's why I'm suggesting that the that the council, um, you know, or the planning department, et cetera, that they design a, um, a proper landscaping plan um, so that we can avoid these, these types of issues. And that's it. That's my comment. Thank you. Thank you. Our next speaker. That was our last speaker. All right. With that, we will close public comment on the consent calendar. And um, what I'm looking for is a motion to approve the consent calendar, unless there's some items that need to be pulled. If so, we'll do a motion to approve balance of the consent calendar. I move approval. All right, we have a, a motion from okay. Council Member Jensen to approve consent calendar. Council Member Herrera-Spencer. I'd like to pull items 5B as in boy and 5J. B as in boy and J. All right, so um, then um, uh, Councilmember Vela and Councilmember Jensen, I take it your motion is to approve balance of the consent calendar, except for the two that were pulled, B as in boy and J as in joke, correct? Um, All right, um, with that, may we have a, a, 
voice a roll call vote for the balance of the consent calendar, please. Vice Mayor Desunk? Yes. Council members for Spencer? Aye. Jensen? Yes. Vela? Aye. Mayor Azzi Ashcroft? Yes. That carries by five ayes. All right. So that carries um, unanimously. Okay, Council Member Spencer, back to you on item five. Uh, 5B. 5B. For ratification? So 5J. Um, well, so she started with on, B first. On 5B, uh, there is a, a public comment in regards to uh, the uh, bills of um, Alameda History Museum and the dollar amount is actually $3,550. Could staff explain what that is? Which staff? Oh, um, Assistant City Manager Woldridge, please. Yes, thank you. Um, uh, the city has a five-year um, agreement, lease agreement with the Alameda Museum, um, and we pay 42000 some odd dollars. So it's listed as property rental. I think there's just general buckets of categories. It's not actually renting property to them, so we need to look at um, recategorizing that, but that's a monthly payment that we pay of that uh, three, uh, 3550 I think, something like that, per month which is amortizing out which what we pay monthly for that agreement with the museum. And what is that for? That's for archival services. Um, and in fact, it's both, it's archival services for city documents. The, um, the museum also supports the city. So for example, in Recreation and Parks is doing interpretive displays in the parks. They help provide information for that. Um, this will be coming back to you. Um, in January, their agreement, so you'll have an opportunity to look at the scope of work for that agreement. Thank you, that completes my questions on that item. So I'm happy to and move. I'll, oh, and I'm you sorry. want to move approval of, of 5B as in board? Correct. And do you have a second? Second. By Councilmember Jensen. And I'm just gonna comment that I look forward to the report coming back at the first of next year because, um, and this has been a concern raised by others in the community, for too long the Alameda History Museum has focused on the his, the Victorian era, which was certainly a part of our history, but not a comprehensive picture of it. And history is, you know, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And so um, I look forward to the report that I know Ms. Wilder's been working on and will report to us in the fall. So um, we've had a motion and a second. May we have a roll call vote on 5B, please. Vice Mayor Daysock? Yes. Council Member Spencer? Aye. Jensen? Yes. Vela? Aye. Mayor Azzi Ashcraft? Hi. That carries by five ice. All right, five J. Yes, Councilmember Harris Spencer, back to you. Thank you. So uh, the next item I pulled is five J. Oh, yeah. What are you? Could staff just yeah. introduce? You know, say something about so the public knows it, what we're talking the, about. The right? second reading. Yeah. Final passage of ordinance authorizing the city manager to execute a Fifth Amendment to the. Oops. Uh, having uh, the city manager yeah. execute a lease with PICA, a Delaware corporation for building 39 located at 950 West Tower Avenue at Alameda Point, Alameda, California for an eight-year lease term with an additional three-year extension option for research and development of autonomous electric aircraft in accordance with California Environmental Quality Act. This action is categorically exempt from further environmental review pursuant to CEQA guidelines section 15301 existing facilities. Thank you. So um, this is the second reading of this. When it came the first time, I expressed concerns and for multiple reasons and I did not uh, vote for it last time. Um, and I want to follow up in regards to one of my big concerns is that if you go out there right now, we already have a company out there that's putting trailers, has started doing that, blocking our view, and, and that is sail drone. Uh, they have at least three trailers and the, tra the containers, they're not just trailers, they're containers, they're very high up, uh, ten, I believe 10 feet. Can staff confirm what is the height of those containers? 
I don't know that off the top of my head. They I, are I'm sorry, first. are we talking about the second reading of the PICA lease? Because I don't think it involves the sale drone property. Mr. City Attorney, can you help me out here? I am assuming that the council member is referencing that as a comparison. I, th I think she's referring to the uh, the containers on the PICA property that will have um, uh, uh, these storage containers, and she's using the the sale drone property to compare heights. Is right, correct. But which is relevant? Don't we not pull items simply to register a no vote? I want to discuss it, and I don't want to keep using up my time. Well, I don't know who you would use, but go ahead. Thank you. Uh, so, um, in regards to the height uh, of the containers that will be uh, at uh, PICA's facility, can staff, do you recall how high they said they would be? Um, I don't off the top of my head, but I think it was somewhere, do you remember it was 8 to 12 feet, or I think? Do you yeah, I think, a, I think a typical shipping container is approximately eight feet, and we the lease says you can't stack them, so that would be the, the height of a single shipping container, and it's within a limited area of the lease premise. Thank you. I actually believe it was at least 10 feet, but um, if you go out there right now, you can see containers that... All right, so eight feet is above the fence line. Right now we have chain link fences out there. You can see through them, you can see the views. Uh, if you, and the sail drone building is right, can staff confirm that's right next to this building? That's correct. Correct, right, so we have actually already lost some of our view out to the Seaplane Lagoon. If you go down, that's West Tower, is that correct? West Tower, uh, we used to be able to see the Marad ships and the USS Hornet and a lot of water. Um, now, when you go there, it is already partially obstructed because of the tr uh, containers from sail drone that I actually don't believe we ever had a public conversation about that. However, uh, when, uh, when PICA, does anyone recall how many containers PICA thinks that they will uh, be having at the site? There, there was some discussion about that before, but I think what's most important from a staff perspective is that the lease actually says you can only you can only go one high, and there's only certain locations that are in the lease where you can you can put the containers so that you're not blocking any of the views and corridors on either side of the building, the front or back, so just on the side. So we're limiting where they can put them and then limiting how the fact that they can't stack them. So um, I actually believe that they are allowed to put containers on the sides of the building. Yeah, that's, that's what I said, not the front and back, though. All right, they so the, the view side. when you're driving down West Tower, the view is the side of the building, is that correct? Well, there's views to San Francisco from West Tower. I guess you have building 24 there, so those views may not be. But the main, but there are view corridors, 70 feet of view corridors on both sides of that building that will be maintained consistent with the zoning. So the city council did approve a zoning map. We're happy, you know, if the council would like, we can bring back that zoning and we can look at the view corridors that have been approved by the council. But there are view corridors that are preserved, and those are preserved in this lease. Is that the 60 feet that is actually the street? Yes. So when staff uses the term view corridor, they actually mean the street. The rest of it under this can be, uh, the trailers can come up to the, as long as within their property up to the street, is that correct? 
that, yes, that's where the fencing can go up to the street. That, but it's not just the street itself, it's 70 feet right away. So it's not just the street, but it'd be sidewalks and other things once those are built. So 70 feet's a pretty significant right away. Um, but if the council would like to direct staff to bring back the town center plan, we can, we can look at that and we can change the view corridors. So um, it had been 180 feet is my understanding from building to building where we used to be able to see the view, is that correct? I don't know. That's okay, Mr. Thomas, the city manager doesn't know. Well, I would like to have, I hope we have someone from staff that can do better than an I don't know, sorry. Is there anyone from staff that knows the distance? We had a speaker say 180 feet. All right, then I'll take the speaker's number, 180 feet, and I'm disappointed, sadly, that we apparently can't answer that question. I do want to know, um, so 180 feet view, that's a pretty good view. Uh, 60 feet is significantly less, right? It's a third. Uh, I think a lot of us enjoy the island because we enjoy the views. And I do think there is a, so we do have questions in regards to uh, the uh, Thailand's trust. Uh, uh, and I would like to uh, see if the attorney can give an opinion in regards to d are the views uh, protected under the Thailand's trust or uh, from being a historic district? Do we have any protections of our views? Uh, if you understand that question, please answer it. Councilmember, with respect to historic uh, preservation, uh, I, I would defer to our planning staff, but, but my understanding is that um, their report is that they've reviewed the historic preservation issues and do not believe that views are protected. With respect to the Tidelands issues, I believe that um, the report we've received from our staff is that um, this is a long-standing use <laughs> that has been in existence. Um, um, we've shared some other analysis with the council, which I would uh, prefer to keep that confidential. Well, that's the long-standing use does not, there are no containers there right now. There have not ever been containers there during the 20-some years that I've lived here. Um, so are you referring to long-standing use of the building or uh, putting containers and blocking our views? I think the, the, the report we receive from staff is that use of containers and fencing is something that's relatively common uh, in the Alameda Point and uh, in the, uh, uh, the Thailand's areas. Um, and council member, we've uh, prepared a, a short analysis for the council and, and you know, I'll, I'll refer you to that. And uh, as I said, I prefer that remain confidential. All right, so I, I've raised this before. I actually think that there are protections of views, um, and I have serious concerns that this is encroaching on uh, uh, our, our uh, use and enjoyment of our island. And I don't think we have, in fact, had lines of containers because you know when you drive out on West Tower, we have been able to see between the buildings. It is chain link fence, I think intentionally, so that we can see through the fencing. And so I do not think this is a continuing use. I think this is a new use. And I am very concerned about the new, we have always, I think, tried really hard to not have containers uh, that are 
uh, so, so many that now that's what we see. Um, and I'm also concerned about how are the containers actually going to get here. They're actually going to be going through our town back and forth. My, my recollection is PICA is planning to have over 300 of these in a year, which means it's going to be brought in, filled, and then uh, driven through our town to leave. So we're going to have a lot of container traffic that we currently do not have. When I asked this question in the past, though, they brought up Target. Very different. Thank you. But when I'm, I want to incorporate the uh, letters, all of the letters opposing the project uh, into my uh, responses as to why I'm opposing this. Thank you. I would just note for the record that the reason there's no longer a view of the Merritt fleet is that there's no longer a Merritt fleet here. Um, Councilmember Ravella, did you have uh, something you wanted yeah, to add? Yeah, I'm going to move support, but I, I would also caution Council from, from um, making certain comparisons. I think certainly we've had other tenants out there that have erected structures, frankly, um, that some people up on this dais have probably been in um, without approval, um, lest we forget what happened at uh, a now uh, no longer tenant, uh, but but one of our, our um, uh, spirit, uh, not spirit, wine, uh, uh, tenants uh, out at Alameda Point erected a whole structure that actually was outside of the building and technically in a in a view corridor. Um, and also, I think we've had several spirits uh, producers who have uh, erected structures, whether they be temporary or, or otherwise, that have been utilized during uh, events that they've had and, and that have stayed out um, long past uh, in the in the back where they brought in food trucks and other things. Um, and we have other vendors who, who have food trucks um, often out there um, in their parking lots and, and things like that, including, I think, some of the, the folks that may have been calling in either on this item or, or in the past. So I just think when we start kind of going down this line, I do think that there are a few examples that, that come to mind where these sorts of things have, have happened and, frankly, have happened in a more regular uh, manner than what we're discussing here. So that's why I move approval and I'm, I'm comfortable with uh, we have a motion. Second. We have a second. Maybe we have a roll call vote, please. Vice Mayor Desai? Yes. Councilmember Hera Spencer? No. Jensen? Aye. Bella? Aye. Mayor Ozzie Ashcraft? Yes. That carries four to one. Thank you so much. Vice Mayor, you are dismissed. Thank you so much for hanging in there. Get some rest. All right. We're, we're flying without the, uh, the Vice Mayor. Poor guy. Okay. Madam Clerk, where are we? Now we're at special orders of the day. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we have you. none. Yes. <laughs> okay. Um, so we are on, yes, we are going back up to item three, proclamation special orders of the day and announcements. Um, we, um, this is um, uh, Public Power Week, uh, will be October 1st through the 7th, so um, there'll be a, a declaration or a proclamation uh, on the record, but uh, we're not reading it tonight. And so then we move to oral communication non agenda items. And this is where we take 15 minutes now, and members of the public may speak for up to two minutes regarding any matter not on the agenda. And any remaining speakers may comment uh, at the end of the regular agenda under section nine. So, Madam Clerk, any comments on number four oral communications? Uh, Brian Kennedy. Welcome, Speaker Kennedy.
Well, thanks. I'm going to defer. I'll come back for the next meeting. Thank you. All right. Good night, sir. All right. Uh, next. Uh, Robert Bezik. Welcome. Bezik. Oh, okay. <laughs> I appreciate it. I won't defer, but uh, thank you. I'm still awake and uh, enjoyed the meeting. But real quickly, Robert Bezik, I'm a resident of Alameda. I'm a member of uh, Legion Post 647. I hope I got that right, Greg. Sometimes I forget the numbers. <laughs> Um, but I'm here to speak on behalf of the Veterans Memorial Building. Um, we're kind of a squeaky wheel. We want to keep it in front of the, the council. And uh, I want to give a shout out to Erin Smith and, uh, and her colleague, what is it, Mike, uh, Mike Billington. Billington. Yeah, they've been very cooperative in helping us you know, make things as functional as possible. Um, one, of, one of my interests in, in, being, in speaking for the, the facility is, is I, I really think you know, there needs to be more of a deliberate planning effort, you know, for the, for the use of the facility. Um, you know, while we're making the building functional and, and um, the Public Works Department is fixing things, you know, there's competing, there's competing, there's really competing interests for that facility. Um, you know, the veterans, you know, want to do functions out there, you know, and the city very clearly, especially the, the Recreation and Parks Department, and, and they're good stewards, but they have other interests for that building uh, and how to use it. And they have, uh, like for example, I'll just, I'll just throw out the, uh, a kitchen, for example. Um, while the veterans like to have a kitchen and do what's typical events and really a historical use of that facility when, when, the, city, when the city got the building. Um, and, uh, but they have also the officers club where they can do Events. So there's competing interests there. So I think a more deliberate uh, use plan, you know, maybe maybe the, the Recreation Park Department, and you know, so the city can decide what does a veteran memorial building mean to the city, and what should it be, and how should it look, and how should it be used. So I would just advocate for that. But again, I want to give a shout out that, you know, the building is is functional. It can always be more functional, and we appreciate the the city's efforts. You know, Thank and, and you so much. Thank you. All right. Good night. And our next, um, our next speaker. Gabriel Duncan. Welcome, Speaker Duncan. Uh, thank you for calling me again. Sorry, I've been talking so much in your ear. Um, so what I want to talk about now is the Alameda Museum. Uh, I know that their contract just came up in September 4th this year. It's a five-year contract that expired um, to provide them with like forty-two thousand six hundred dollars uh, a year, broken down into like three thousand five hundred and fifty dollars a month. Uh, and this is for um, historical preservation, archive preservation services, which uh, the museum is a service provider of. That they're not actually, you know, an employee of the city or really like a department in the city. They're contractors. Um, and I've had a lot of issues getting uh, access to their holdings because they mismanaged them in the way that they didn't properly index their holdings. Um, and that was really frustrating because I started in 2019 trying to get this information. And the primary reason why they weren't able to provide it to me was because of the lack of indexing. Um, but I've also been given a list of Native American artifacts that are being held in the museum. And there's a note here that there was a water pipe that burst in the museum. The note's from 2020. 
but apparently it, a pipe burst and it damaged some of these artifacts in so much that stickers fell off of them that had information about what these artifacts were and where they came from. Um, so on top of the reasons that they're not really providing services to begin with because they don't have anyone who's qualified to provide these services right now, uh, they've also not been able to provide for the safety of many of the artifacts, not just the Native American artifacts. So I just wanted to present that and I hope that we can talk about this more leading up to January. Thank you. Thank you. Our next speaker uh, is remote, uh, Todd Hickman. Welcome, Speaker Hickman. Yes, I'm very impressed by Gabriel Duncan and what he had to say um, when the public um, interacts and speaks and exercises their right. That's incredible. I'm really happy to be back at this um, item. I thought the um, council was going to try and forget about public comment and move through it. I did kind of feel like we were being manipulated by pushing public comment to the end, but the beauty of that is it gave um, us so much more subject matter to comment on. So if there is um, or was any gist on the council trying to um, dissuade our efforts. They actually gave us a huge bonus here. So I'm very, very excited um, to be speaking at this time. I'd like to commend um, the council member that took a stand um, against many of these issues and is fighting for our views and our view corridor, all the informed speakers. Um, I appreciate that everybody was able to resist the mayor jumping in and trying to interject and put her feelings and thoughts um, over what everybody was speaking. Um, I really wish I could have seen staff answer more questions. As everyone knows, I'm very, very um, um, proud of staff and, and what they've accomplished. And I think staff has come a huge way from the pressure they were under by the council and certain council members um, trying to communicate with them directly. I believe the city manager has halted that and corrected the communication chain. So I'm very excited to see this new order, but we still do have this underlying theme of the council members trying to override the meetings and trying to cut people off. I mean, certain people are allowed to clap and certain people are not allowed to clap. Certain people get cut off. Um, immediately when their two minutes or three minutes is up and certain people are allowed to ramble on for at least 10 words. Certain people are engaged by the mayor and allowed to go back and forth um, while others are cut off. So we do have a serious problem of certain council members controlling the meeting. It is wrong. Thank you. Our next speaker. Josh Altieri. Welcome, Speaker Altieri. Uh, good evening, council members. Uh, my name is Josh Altier. I'm the Community Relations Manager at the Housing Authority of the City of Alameda, and I just wanted to share a couple important updates regarding affordable housing. Uh, we are bringing more affordable housing in the form of 49 studio apartments uh, to the City of Alameda. The community is going to be called Poppy Place, as in the California poppy flower. Um, it'll be located at 1628 Webster Street, close walk to public transportation, employers, and schools. The 370 to 400 uh, foot square foot apartments will feature individual bathrooms plus a kitchenette and suitable for one to two person households. The rents will range from $518 to $1,554 monthly, and it will include utilities in the monthly rent. Uh, most importantly, a pre-application period will open on Monday, October 2nd at 9 a.m. and will stay open for 20 days and close at 8 p.m. on October 22nd. Um, we will be the house, uh, Poppy Place will be serving households earning up to 60% of area median, area median income, uh, which that means approximately 
$3,390 for one-person households and $62,685 for two-person households. We encourage uh, people seeking more information. They can visit poppystudiosalameda.com, and I'll repeat that. It's poppy, like the California flower, studios, plural, alameda.com. So poppystudiosalameda.com for more information. And we to be notified about uh, future updates related to Poppy Place, we encourage interested parties to sign up for property notifications via the Alameda County Housing Portal, which is housing.acgov.org. Um, thank you very much for your time this evening, um, and have a good night. Thank you. Our next speaker. Uh, Jake Rizzo. Welcome, Speaker Rizzo. Hello, can you hear me? We can, hi. Hi, I, as a resident of Alameda, I wish to speak on the um, council's attempts to combat um, increasing housing costs and homelessness in the city. And I know the council has made it its goal to build some 50,000 odd um, housing units over the next few decades. Uh, I would also like to point out that there is an opportunity for the council to increase its ability to have spaces to make more housing units. And that would be if the council were to rezone many of the single family zoning units in particularly the east end of Alameda and reassign um, them to neighborhood zoning or simply higher density zoning housing as that would give the the um, city much more um, available space to work with. And given that amount of space, it would very, I believe, adequately um, combat the ability to excuse me, ability to um, combat rising costs of uh, living and rising rents. Thank you. Thank you. Our next speaker. Uh, Shelby Sheehan. Welcome, Speaker Sheehan. Hello again. Um, I appreciate um, having this opportunity to speak um, immediately after the city council just did the exact thing that we've been complaining about. And um, I'm again going to remind the city attorney that, that he has a statutory duty to inform the public of his legal opinion on matters. So uh, this just shows everyone how informative uh, his cop-out answer is by saying that he wanted to keep it confidential, his answer confidential, and referring his, his the questions back to the planning staff whose very statements are those that are in question. Um, so, uh, you know, if there's nothing to hide, then the city attorney should provide the public with his legal opinion, as I said, is his statutory duty. Um, this continues to go on about all the legal questions I've raised, and um, it's against public policy and it's against his statutory duty. Um, finally, it's no surprise that despite these legitimate outstanding le legal issues, the council approved the lease anyway, and I'm not going to hold my breath for when the council starts to be accountable to the public, but I wish it would happen sooner rather than later. Thank you. I'm going to make a comment here. I um, expect as a, an elected public official that people will exercise a range of opinions and direct it at me, and we knew that when we signed up for this job. I draw the line at insults and innuendos directed to our staff. We have an extremely hardworking ethical staff, which includes the city attorney. I understand that 
not everyone will always be pleased with an opinion rendered from one of our public, um, our staff members. It does not warrant um, those kinds of uh, insults and implications or um, in, innuendos suggesting some improper behavior or something less than ethical conduct. And so I'm not going to sit silent and listen to that. Our next speaker. Uh, Susan Gonzalez. Welcome, Speaker Gonzalez. Uh, Honorable Mayor Ashcraft and members of the City Council, my name is Susan Gonzalez, and I am the League of Women Voters of Alameda co-chair of voter service. Today is National Voter Registration Day. Uh, as the League of Women Voters of Alameda, we've actively participated in this nationwide effort uh, event, excuse me, for several years, registering potential voters all over the island. This effort has resulted in a historical higher percentage of voters compared with Alameda County and statewide. During the recent 2022 election, the city of Alameda had 57% of its voters cast a ballot. This compares with the countywide average of 53% and the statewide average of 51%. Our role is to help everyone register and vote in every election. We strongly encourage all eligible residents to register and vote, particularly those that have moved, changed their name, or switched parties. There are different ways to register. You can complete a California voter registration application, which is available at city libraries and local post office. You can also go uh, to our website and use our QR code, or you can go online at registertovote.ca.gov. We seek your endorsement in supporting National Voter Registration Day and encourage all Alameda residents to register and vote. The league motto is we empower voters and defend democracy. And you can find out more information um, about our organization on our website. Thank you. Thank you. Our next speaker. Um, so Todd Hickman already spoke but raised his hand. So we'll see if somebody else is just is using there? that. Okay. But if it's him, he can't speak again clearly. Okay, let's see what we got. Okay. Yes, this is Todd Heckman. I'm speaking for Estea Villagrana. English as a second language, and no. she prefers okay. it. Okay, thank you. All right, and our next speaker? That was our last speaker. All right, with that, we are closing uh, item for oral communication. Madam Clerk, we are now, if I get this correct, we are on to um, item 7A. Correct. Adoption of resolution appointing Clifford Tong as a member of the Golf Commission. And um, I will say that Mr. Tong is on vacation. We do let our volunteers take vacations. Um, so he's not here tonight uh, to be in person, uh, to be uh, uh, sworn in in person, but we, we still will vote on uh, this resolution. And I will just let you know from his um, application, and I did interview him, he's now semi-retired. He has a... Um, bachelor's uh, degree from UC Berkeley in computer science and economic, has been an avid golfer since he was a teenager, longtime business and management consultant who feels that he can contribute in advising in the areas of strategic direction, finance, marketing, organizational development, technology, and, um, and operations. And um, anyway, I, um, I highly recommend 
this, um, this individual. And so uh, I'm looking for a um, motion to adopt this resolution appointing him as a member of the Golf Commission. Move approval. Second. Uh, okay, and it's, the motion's been moved, resolution's been moved by Council Member Vell, seconded by Council Member Jensen. So, and you can go back to oh, a voice vote since yes. we no all longer have in, a remote All member. those in favor <laughs> signify by stating aye. 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 All right, that motion passes um, four to nothing. So, um, Council, at this point, we are just shy of the two-hour mark, and that's my, um, based on the doctors at UCSF recommendation, that's when we take a break. So we are going to take a break, and we are going to come back at, it's 9.01, back at 9.15, back talking, everyone in our seat, we're starting at 9.15. So everyone take a break, um, move around a little, and we'll see you at 9.15. Thank you.
starting the meeting. <laughs> All right, places everyone's staff. Okay, Madam Clerk, would you please introduce the next item? 7B is a work session on the draft City of Alameda three-year strategic plan for fiscal years 2023 through 2026. All right, and um, I'm going to start, Mayor, and do the first couple slides, and then our Sarah Henry, our communications director, um, is going to continue. And then we have the executive team, the entire executive team, either online or here oh, to answer them. questions about anything that you have. Um, we're excited to bring a draft strategic plan report to the city council. Um, as the council knows, and we'll go through this, we went to a, a number of retreats, and this is really kind of the culmination, uh, and we had a, a community outreach and outreach with staff and employees over the summer, so this is kind of the culmination of a draft. It's a work session, so you're not, you don't have to make any decisions. We wanna hear if we're missing something, if we need to tweak something, we'll take all those comments tonight and then come back to you um, with a, a, probably a consent item, just you know, approving, approving the strategic plan in the next couple of weeks, so next slide. So I just want to kind of all big picture, what is a strate strategic plan, why do we do it? Um, and we, a lot of times when you're talking about this, you look at the kind of iceberg analogy because there's most of our work, like you have with public safety or Alameda municipal power, public works, a lot of it's operational and those are kind of our essential services that happen every day. But there's a lot of work that as the council knows that comes through the, this body, that's policy work, that's really kind of more pri strategic priority work and that's kind of the iceberg above the water. And this strategic plan really focuses on those efforts and those policy and program implementation efforts. And that's what we're really focused on. We um, also, so it's a three-year plan over the, uh, over the next three years. We will be, we'll talk about it, but we will be reviewing it as we go. So this is not, this is a working document. There's no way that whatever's gonna be in here is not gonna change over the next three years, that we will have changes and things that we'll, we'll tweak. Also, I just wanna acknowledge there has been some emails and questions about existing plans and whether or not those were incorporated or not in here. And we did look pretty carefully at all of our kind of major policy documents. So for instance, active transportation plan, other things, and then actually took out the work plans from those. But based on the comments, we'll go back and make sure we double check all of that and make sure we have it. And we were even thinking of adding a column to cross-reference those plans so that you know for each project which plan it may come from if it actually came from another plan. So we'll do that work. Those were, we thought those were really good comments, so I wanted to mention that. So now I'll turn it over to Ms. Henry um, and she'll go through the rest. Welcome. Good evening. Thank you so much, Mayor and City Council. Um, I'm gonna start by looking back at how we got here, and this is a timeline of our process. The city issued a request for proposals last December, and in February, we brought forward a contract with Civic Makers, our consultant partner on the project. Our work began with interviews with the mayor and council members to receive feedback on the high-level priorities for Alameda. Based on that work, we developed a draft vision and set of strategic priorities. We convened a public workshop with the city council and focus groups with city staff to talk about them. Our next step was to develop draft project lists that make up the bulk of the strategic plan. We met with the executive team, conducted staff workshops, prepared a, city, prepared a council and city leadership survey, and held a second workshop with the city council. By June, we had a draft vision, strategic priorities, and a working list of projects. We then set out to validate with the community what would become the draft strategic plan that you're reviewing tonight. 
Our engagement started with an online survey for the community and city staff that included the draft vision, draft list of strategic priorities, and draft project lists. And survey takers were asked to share their feedback and top priorities. We promoted the survey on the city's website and on social media. We passed out flyers, published information in the newspaper, and sent online email blasts. We also organized four in-person community pop-up events where we had large banners with the draft vision and projects posted, and we asked community members the same questions we were asking in the online survey. A highlight of these pop-ups was how excited people were to participate, and then hearing people talk to each other about the city, about the different projects, and about how much they love Alameda. We also had two community Zoom pop-up meetings. We organized an all-staff Zoom meeting. Department heads discussed the draft plan in their department meetings. And we placed posters at 13 city facilities where employees could share their priorities and comments using dots and post-its similar to the community pop-up events. Our goal was to meet people where they are at and receive feedback from as many different perspectives as possible. We discussed the findings from this outreach in the report, and this slide shares a quick survey. City staff and community members prioritized issues of housing and safety the most. Both agree on the need for more affordable housing, and both groups support expanding police presence in high crime areas. Both city staff and community members desire more direct prioritization of diversity, equity, and inclusion, specifically around equitable access to quality of life resources, for example, mental health <coughs> services, housing, and ADA resources. Community members place more importance on infrastructure, specifically a desire for the city to invest in our roads in a way that is environmentally friendly. And city staff emphasize the importance of investing in public transportation as we add more housing in Alameda. <coughs> the draft report includes a short vision statement as well as an expanded vision statement. And we've created a document that has a few ideas for suggested <coughs> changes that we can review after this presentation. We worked hard to incorporate all of the feedback we received throughout this process and draft the plan you're reviewing tonight, but we look forward to hearing your thoughts and discovering what we've missed. The projects in the draft plan are organized by strategic priority area, fiscal year, and lead department. One thing we plan to add in the final plan is a cross-reference like the city manager suggested to the other plans that these projects may exist in. Separate from the strategic plan, the city is working on drafting a diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging plan. Ideally, these plans would have been done in coordination with each other, but that overlay is something we plan to do for future updates. One idea is to create a set of guiding questions that help lead our projects toward equitable outcomes. <coughs> our next steps include updating this plan based on your comments tonight and bringing you a final plan before the end of the year. Then we'll be back in a year with an annual update. Tonight, the city manager, assistant city manager, department heads, and I are available to answer any questions you have. And finally, I just want to say how grateful I am to have been part of this process. The amount of structure and thought that went into crafting this draft plan um, at the direction of the city manager and with our really amazing consultant team was significant, and I look forward to sharing it with the public. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Henry. All right. Um, so thank you very much um, for that. And um, do we, I'm sure we have some public comment. Do we have any clarifying questions from council before we go to our public comment? Councilmember Harris Spencer. Thank you, Mayor. So uh, I just wanted to follow up on the city manager's comments. Uh, for instance, we received an email uh, on uh, the Alameda Naval Air Museum Library. Is that something that you already had that will uh, be um, incorporated later? or is that a new issue? 
Yeah, I'm not aware of a project that we're working on related to that. I'm happy to have a conversation with them and chat with them, but I don't know of any project that we're working on right now. So that, as far as I know, that is not currently in the strategic plan. Okay, and what about tree protections and planting new trees? Yeah, I think Assistant City Manager Wooldridge can mention, talk about that. Yeah, I'm happy to address that. So um, what is in the plan is the urban, in the strategic plan is the urban forest plan and, and uh, completing that. And the urban forest plan does include strengthening the, the tree protection ordinance. All right, uh, in regard, okay, then we also received. Council Member Spencer, do you mind if I, I'm happy Sorry. to clear, clarify that in the project name, because so we could be a little more explicit and transparent. So that might be a comment we could add that the tree ordinance will be part of the urban forest plan so that the community knows that if, you, if the council would like to do that. All right, and then we received an email in regards to the big whites and little whites and uh, using those revenues to restore those buildings. Uh, is that something that you already have somewhere or that we need to? You know, we are, we do have funds that are doing that work. We'll go back and make sure, so we're, we're doing that work and we are renovating and rehabbing those <clears throat> those those homes so if it's not in here I can't remember exactly but if not we will put it in here as an explicit project all right thank you that's all for now okay madam clerk um, public comment um, okay uh, Dolores Kelleher welcome speaker Kelleher Thank you very much. Good evening, Mayor and Council Members. Uh, my name is Dodie Keller. You, most people know me as Dodie. Uh, and I am an AAPS board member and an active member of their Preservation Action Committee. And uh, I am here to um, talk about, obviously, preservation. A number of Alameda, uh, Alameda's um, AAPS members participated in the survey and suggested several additions to the vision statement and the project lists. We were pleased that the Carnegie building is on the project list. However, we were surprised that none of our other recommendations found their way specifically into the plan document and only three items are listed in the staff engagement survey report, although not in the plan document as well. We are especially surprised that there's no reference to Alameda's historically architecturally distinguished neighborhoods and commercial districts, and the historic preservation is not even mentioned in the plan document. Uh, later on, a letter was submitted by Chris Buckley, who is our AAPS chair of the Preservation Action Committee. And uh, in that letter, he gives specific recommendations uh, for inclusion in the plan document itself, and I, am, and I believe he may speak later. I urge the council and um, staff to uh, read that carefully and consider inclusion of those recommendations because I firmly believe they will further the collegial and collaborative engagement we have with planning uh, staff, planning board, and the city council. Thank you. Thank you. Our next speaker. Cindy Johnson. Welcome, Speaker Johnson. Good evening, Mayor Izzy Ashcraft and members of the council. I'm calling on behalf of Bike Walk Alameda and first wanted to thank staff for the quick response to our letter yesterday. We appreciate the clarification around the dates. We would have liked central and safe routes to school infrastructure to be underway now as originally scheduled, but are greatly relieved that we're not looking at even more delay. And we would like to, we would really like to see the long awaited Gene Sweeney neighborhood connectors explicitly included for clarity as proposed. 
We also appreciate staff's response to our questions and comments about this document, document's relations to other city documents and the comments tonight. To be clear, we understand that this document pulls from those documents and in this way is aligned, but our question is more around the status of specific and prioritized programs, projects, and actions that were approved as part of those plans, but aren't here, at least as far as we can tell. There are many actions in the Vision Zero Action Plan and programs in the Active Transportation Plan that we don't see, and we're not sure whether they've intentionally been deprioritized, repackaged in some way, considered done, or overlooked. We'd assume that they were priority projects that would all get done, though. Without some kind of cross-referencing or accounting, we worry about things slipping through the cracks, and we wanted to be aware if that's happening. We mentioned a few examples in our letter, like the Bay Farm Wooden Bridge, bike parking expansion, and an e-bike rebate program. But there are many others, too, like P9 and the Active Transportation Plan, <clears throat> which would develop performance measures around biking and walking. We see this program as key to measuring mode shift, which is really important for our climate goals. There are pro programs and actions around crossing guard enhancements, 15 to 20 mile per hour speed limit zones around schools, and organizing and standardizing drop-off and pickup around schools. All great stuff designed to get us to vision zero. Since these aren't clearly referenced in the strategic plan though, at least as far as we can see, it's difficult for us to determine their status. We really appreciate any clarity that can be added. Thank you council and staff for your consideration and time on this. Thank you. Our next speaker. Um, so, Madam Mayor, we've had additional speakers just raise their hand. So now they, there's a, above the limit and it, the time will lower to two minutes. Okay. Um, and our next speaker is Chase Martin. Okay. Welcome, Speaker Martin. Hello. Can you guys hear me? We can. Hi. Good evening. My name is Chase Martin, and I appreciate the city's work on the Alameda Strategic Plan. However, I would like to respectfully urge the city to not miss the opportunity to also include expanded and specific additional protection for the urban trees in the plan. Unfortunately, large desirable trees on private property are being removed all over town, including two large coastal redwoods on Santa Clara Avenue by a new property owner just last year. To prevent the unnecessary loss of trees under the quote, build resilience to climate change and water level rise priority. I would like to urge the city to please add language to strengthen the tree protection ordinance by expanding it to all desirable species over a certain age or size. We also should include language to clarify the definition of quote, removal unquote, as well as specify more effective penalties to deter the unnecessary felling of trees. Many other Bay Area cities have recently expanded their urban tree protections. And with climate change and an extinction crisis bearing down on us, we have a timely opportunity with the plan to expand protections of this enormously beneficial natural resource. Thank you. Thank you. Our next speaker. Uh, Jennifer Rakowski. Welcome, Speaker Rakowski. Hello, thank you for the chance to speak to the strategic plan. I want to hit a couple of highlights. Um, I appreciate the uh, diversity, inclusion, equity, and belonging focus of the plan um, and um, the focus on housing for all. Um, a couple of things that concern me when I look at the plan um, in terms of clarity, um, in terms of the uh, uh, diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. Um, I see staff work in this area, but I would really love to see a mini grant program for community organizations where they can um, propose things 
uh, that really celebrate um, all of the different communities that make up Alameda. Um, and so I look to uh, local cities like Santa Rosa that have uh, similar mini grant programs. I encourage the city to pursue something of that sort. Um, I also want to uh, highlight that I appreciate the uh, seeking of grants funds for the CARE program. I want that to go along with acknowledging that that is a core program, that whether there's grant dollars or not grant dollars needs to continually be funded in the city. And finally, I ask while we work on long-term housing, we don't lose sight of eviction protection and those who are currently facing housing insecurities and really invest in maintaining shaky housing for folks who are experiencing that now. Thank you. Thank you. Our next speaker. Uh, Christopher Buckley. Welcome to Speaker Buckley. Christopher Buckley with the Alameda Architectural Preservation Society. I'd like to follow up on the comments that uh, Dodie Kelleher presented to you and continue going through the letter that we sent you. Uh, so the, we've suggesting some additional language to the, both the vision statement and the expanded vision statement, which is in our letter, and also to add historic resources to the, quote, invest in Alameda's transportation infrastructure and economy strategic priority. Uh, we, then we have some specific projects that we listed. First, under the House All Alamedans and Homelessness Strategic Priority. First, explore policies and implementing actions which will facilitate a higher proportion of affordable housing, especially low and very low income housing, in future developments while maintaining and preserving historic resources. Second, add to Project HH8D concerning uh, state-mandated streamlined uh, permitting processes. Ensure that the state required objective design review standards protect historic buildings and neighborhoods as effectively as the current discretionary design review program. Moving on to the enhanced community safety and services strategic priority, add standards for new development on streets in older neighborhoods in order to minimize congestion, maintain safety, and ensure adequate ingress, egress, and parking for adjacent properties. Finally, under the invest in Alameda's transportation, infrastructure, economy, and as modified, historic resources, strategic priority. First, rehabilitate the historic police garage next to City Hall. Second, add to TIE 27 concerning Alameda Point, implement a program to adequately maintain Alameda Point buildings, especially historic buildings, protect them from vandalism and perform deferred maintenance. Include program provisions to ensure that vacant buildings are occupied as soon as possible to help prevent further deterioration and vandalism. Finally, we'd like to thank you for adding uh, provisions concerning the Carnegie Building to get reused and also Veterans Memorial Building. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Our next speaker. Shelby Sheehan. Welcome, Speaker Sheehan. Thank you. Um, I would just first like to say that um, I am in support of the uh, AP, AAPS comments regarding including the historic preservation in the strategic plan. So I hope you'll consider it. Second, again, the presenter for this item just said the next time it will come before council will be as a consent item, which is entirely inappropriate as it again completely excludes the public input that you're hearing tonight. Um, I'm just again reiterate if the process can stand up to scrutiny, then let it be scrutinized. 
rushing the projects through the process and preventing adequate public scrutiny is exactly what leads the public like me to need to ask legitimate questions about ethics. Um, so let me pause here and just say as a matter of record, I want to be clear that I am not making innuendos. I'm actually explicitly calling into the question, into question the ethics of this type of conduct, as is my right and my duty. Um, I urge council to listen to the numerous members of the public who spoke tonight and stop preventing the legally mandated public participation in the city's decision-making process. Um, I suggest we start tonight by keeping this item on the regular agenda until the issues you heard tonight are publicly addressed and the public comments have been adequately considered by council. Thank you. Thank you. Our next speaker. Denise Trepanier. <coughs> Welcome, Speaker Chapanye. <laughs> Thank you. Um, good evening, uh, Mayor Ezi Ashcraft and members of council and staff. Um, I'm also speaking as a BWA board member tonight and wanted to add my thanks uh, to the work that staff has done on this plan. Um, given that uh, one of the stated purposes of the strategic plan is to consider adequate budget and staffing um, towards our priorities, we wanted to raise awareness around a need for more resources in one area, um, so you might be aware of it and take steps to address it. We've been tracking the progress of the infrastructure projects against the 2023 transportation staff work plan, and have seen that some of the projects are slipping on their timelines. Of the nine um, capital improvement projects that our city was stated to start construction on this year, almost half has slipped to next year or beyond. Those are the safe routes to school infrastructure, the Gene Sweeney Trail Connectors, Grand Street, and Central. Four others are still anticipated to begin this year. They include the Cross Alameda Trail signal upgrades uh, between Maine and Wilma Chan, and the new segment of the Cross Alameda Trail along Clement between Willow and Broadway. But with only a few months left in the year at this point, we're a little worried that they might slip too, and we might close the year with just one of the projects um, that we were supposed to start construction on this year on track, and that would be the um, the improvements on West Tower on, at Alameda Point. Staff shortages have been cited um, as reasons for these projects being delayed, and there's so much good work that needs to be done, and these projects are really complex. And our lean transportation staff and public work staff are definitely punching above their weight on some of these projects, um, but I think it just underscores the need um, that we need additional help in this area, because as you've heard from other speakers tonight, we're, we're in a safety emergency, we're in a climate emergency, and we just don't want to see these really critical projects um, slip further. So thank you for your support. Thank you. Excuse me, our next speaker. Carmen Reed. Welcome, Speaker Reed. Good evening, again, Mayor and City Council members. Um, I just wanted to add a, a few comments regarding the urban trees protection that was brought up by Speaker Martin. I'm very much in, um, in support of also expanding um, this support for, uh, for additional trees. And um, so I've also seen this happen in my own neighborhood where, um, you know, neighbors had very large oak trees and it was blocking some sunlight in their homes and they just arbitrarily decided to tear them down. And because they felt like they could just pay the fine, right? They're like, ah, oh, sure, I can pay the fine. And then boom, three, um, uh, three oak trees are gone. So I think it's important to uh, to hold people accountable, number one, right? Expand the project and also add redwood trees, 
I think that redwood trees um, uh, add, I mean, they're very special to California and, um, and they should be protected. I also think that there should be more focus and attention dedicated to Alameda Point um, the, and specifically the historic district and that we need to prioritize adaptive reuse, particularly um, or possibly also around the soccer fields uh, at the BEQs. I think since you know so many people go out there, I think it could be um, a great place to start and maybe you know create some some housing projects over there. I think that would be great. And um, anyway, I just wanted to thank your staff uh, for all of their work on the strategic plan. And I'm looking forward to uh, to reading more about what um, is being finalized. Thank you. Thank you. Our next speaker, Todd Hickman. Welcome, Speaker Hickman. Yes, thank you. So um, I think it's very clear with the strategic plan and its current problems, it's nowhere near ready for any type of finalization. It should not be coming back to us. On the consent calendar, it should continue to be an agenda item so the public can adequately speak and comment on this issue as it takes shape and evolves and takes into concern all of the public's concerns and um, all the issues we've heard tonight with trees, views, safety, historic buildings, control of buildings and control of vandalism. It is very, very clear that these are all strong public concerns and this um, quote unquote strategic plan is nowhere near strategic nor a finished plan and needs to be brought back as a agenda item, giving the public full comment and full access to everything to do with this item. Again, trees, views, safety, historic buildings, view corridors, the public views, blocking of views by shipping container, control of vandalism, all of this, this needs to be brought back. And I would like to commend um, my fellow speakers for their strength, even those that were attacked by the mayor um, for their views and basically being interrupted um, during their comment period. I know myself as a victim of that in this public forum. Um, that is a tactic by public elected officials to break your train of thought, to break what you're saying and to control the public content and what the public hears. It is wrong. It's in violation of the law. It's in violation of the Brown Act. It's in violation of law, ordinance, and regulation, and it needs to be stopped. So thanks to my fellow public commenters who tonight were strong. Thank you, our next public speaker. That was our final speaker. All right, with that, we close public comment on item 7B, and we bring it back to the council. Um, if I could ask, excuse me, for clarification, one of our, nah. <laughs> one of our speakers, Denise Trepanier, just raised some questions about um, projects, some safety-related projects that are unfinished or have been pushed to a later um, date. And I wonder if um, staff, whether it's, um, Interim Planning Building Director Alan Tai or Lisa Foster or both of you could come up and just give a little clarification on those items. Well, 
Welcome. Thank you, Madam Mayor, members of the council, Alan Tai, Acting Planning Building Transportation Director. Uh, I'm going to invite Lisa Foster to also come Please. up since I'm still transitioning to the role, and uh, Lisa will have some of the details. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Welcome, Ms. Foster. Good evening, Mayor Ezzy Ashcraft and City Council members. I'm Lisa Foster, Senior Transportation Coordinator. There are, yes, um, a number of the projects that were in our uh, annual, um, excuse me, in our plan for this year that are, have now been delayed. There are significant staffing shortages for our transportation um, engineers that has slowed things down. Um, and then, of course, any construction project, there are often delays. So I, Gail, so, Gail Payne was here earlier, had hoped she might speak to um, the project on Central. Um, and then we, um, let me see, which other projects were they asking about? Gene Sweeney connectors and safe routes to school. Thank you. Those are, uh, the Gene Sweeney connectors are a Rec and Park project. So uh, somebody else could speak to Long those. is approaching on <laughs> cue. Come on up. It uh, yeah. <laughs> takes a village, right? Uh, uh, yes, thank you. I'd like to uh, just sort of address the Gene Sweeney. Uh, the design has been completed for the trail connectors. Uh, we received a grant for $450,000 to do the construction. However, when our quotes came back, it, it's a project that is now about 850000 So we're trying to seek funding. So it's starting to delay the, the process on that project. So, But um, we're looking for funding, and so we're going to try to address that so we can try to move that project forward. Thank you for that. Um, um, I, can, I can address the status of the Central Avenue improvements. So Central Avenue is a state route, and uh, a lot of the planning work with the council's approval earlier in the year, um, we have moved on to coordinating with our partner agencies, Caltrans and state, um, on design and, and also, um, uh, you know, working with those agencies, that process will take some time. But we do anticipate starting construction in um, 2024, um, and, and that, that date is um, pretty set as of today. Okay. Mayor, if I Thank may. You. Um, uh, yeah, city manager, and I see the city um, public works director. Y'all come up just, yeah. you know, <laughs> I just want to say, while, while, you're, while Ms. Smith is coming up, city manager, Janot. Sure, I was just going to say, that's why we're having a work session. So we'll, we can go over all these dates and look at them more carefully, and then we can also talk with Bike Walk and see you know, what their thoughts were about the schedule. You know, I don't know, given our staffing and other stuff, whether or not we'll be able to push them forward, but we can try and we'll look at them and I'm happy to meet with Bike Walk and go over the timelines with them. And um, speaking of uh, timelines and staffing, and I don't know, I've got the Public Works Director and the City Manager, are there any announcements you wanted to make about maybe increasing staff soon? I'd be happy to make an <laughs> announcement about a new city, city engineer um, that will be, a name might be familiar to some members of public and council, but Scott Wickstrom will be Yay. joining the city September 25th. Um, we're really happy to have him back and I'm sure he'll hit the ground running. So that'll definitely help. Um, do you mind if I just give two quick not, updates too? So not a bit. two of the other projects was the Cross Alameda Trail signal improvement project. So council has already awarded that construction contract and that contract is construction's underway. Um, the um, Clement Street project was the other one um, that came up. That project's currently out to bid. 
and we plan to bring the construction contract to council in November. And Central, we're planning that one to probably go out to bid in the spring. Um, so we'll probably be finishing up construction on Clement and then move into construction on the Central Ave project. Thank you for that. Okay. Thank you all. That was, that was helpful. Thank you. Okay. Council, shall I just, I'm just going to move down the row if that's okay. Council Member Jensen, take it away. Thank you, Madam Mayor, and um, thank you really to our community, especially for um, the, uh, I appreciate all of the pop-ups that we had and then the participation. I know that the survey was, was seemed to be um, very, very, um, there were a number of responses. There was a, close to a thousand, I understand, which is tremendous. And, and we know um, we've had comments tonight and we've had comments during our past workshops about uh, all of these priorities. And I personally, this is the kind of project that I need as a new council member. I want to be able to look at the strategies that the community and staff and uh, my colleagues have, have supported and feel are, are necessary to make Alameda a great place to live, to continue to make Alameda a great place to live. And I, um, of course, did my own research and I've looked at everyone's input. And um, so what I wanna do, while I feel like the strategic plan is, is very comprehensive, I think that there's one area that can be strengthened as we've heard some, from some comments. And so I, wanted to actually submitted an edited priority vision statement and changes to one of the strategic priorities. And thank you to our clerk. We're gonna put that up here and I'll read it and then give you a little bit more context. So our priority statement, the, the main vision statement was really, it was tremendous and I haven't changed anything except for to add a little bit to it. Um, Alameda is an inclusive and connected community where everyone is welcome and supported with robust and sustainable city services. Residents and visitors enjoy access to safe, architecturally distinguished neighborhoods, vibrant community centers, and beautiful outdoor spaces. We prioritize housing options for all and we ensure residents access to safe, climate-friendly transportation options. The city is resilient to climate change and prepared for natural disasters. Alameda government is fiscally responsible, invested in our staff, transparent in decision-making, and committed to equity. So I added, the only things that I really added to this whole thing was the, the architecture, the architecturally distinguished neighborhoods and transparent in decision-making. And I know that these have been things that have been brought up by, by uh, staff, by my colleagues and by members of the public. So I would um, suggest that that be included in our vision. And then um, leading on to the area of distinguished, uh, where I said distinguished neighborhoods, I think that we have a tremendous unique city and we have some assets that we wanna prioritize. So the priority section that we have right now is investing in Alameda's transportation infrastructure and economy. And my suggestion is to change the title of that section to change that priority to invest in transportation, infrastructure, economic opportunities, and historic resources. I know that we're investing in the economy, but I think saying economic opportunities 
it will broaden it to include everyone, our residents, our businesses, and our visitors, and to add historic resources because Alameda is a historic city and I want to recognize that. So those are my suggestions for some changes to the actual draft strategic plan. And again, thank you to staff, tremendous work. And I look forward to seeing the plan that we can use as council to make decisions to make Alameda better. Thank you. Um, thank you, um, Councilmember Jensen. Just um, looking at that statement, and you know, whatever we prioritize, we also want to tie into the budgeting process. And so, um, I, it's um, you know, what we would spend on historic resources, what that means. I'm a little unclear on city manager. Can you offer any um, any thoughts about? Or how, to, how to approach this? I think there are actually a number of projects in the plan that address historic right. resources. So, for instance, the Veterans Building is a historic resource. The Carnegie um, Councilmember Herrera Spencer's comment about the Big Whites, where we already have budgeted money to do some rehab of some of the Big Whites. Those are historic resources. And then we're also prepared because we uh, we do this all the time at Alameda Point, where there is a nationally registered historic district. So anytime we have a reuse of a building in the historic district that requires any alteration or rehab, we make sure that HA the historic advisory boards involved. So one of our ideas was if we, if the council would like to direct us to add the historic resources, that we would essentially group those projects under a kind of bullet that says, you know, we'll come up with something that where it's something like where we work to protect historic city-owned historic resources or something like that, and then we would have sub bullets of those projects that are in there or that we're already working on. So I don't think it would have a big impact on our financial or budget, but we'd be able to really kind of uh, call greater attention to historic resources and what we're already doing to address that. Okay, that sounds good. Did you want to add something to that? Yes, thank you. And um, thank you, thank you, um, Madam City Manager. I also wanted to um, suggest I would I would support the, uh, that, those projects, and I wanted to also say thank you for the extensive project list. I think this is really able, um, gives, everyone the ability to look and see where our, our priorities, our, our projects will be under these pri strategic priorities. But with regard to that, um, I would like to, as I mentioned, see this, this priority include, um, include our historic resources. And one of those resources we've, we've heard a little bit about tonight um, from, from both from staff and from members of the public, and that's our Alameda Museum. So I would also suggest that the Alameda Museum, not exactly an investment, but an audit or a um, support or some sort of uh, whatever it might be, hopefully not an intervention, but just to, to work with the Alameda Museum to identify the historic resources that are available there and to ensure that they are um, cared for. I think staff's already working on that, so we're happy to add that as an explicit project. Well, and as I noted earlier, I'm, I'm looking forward to the report that will come back at the beginning of the year because for um, a long time, the museum, the historic museum, has focused on a fairly narrow slice of history. Um, and Councilmember Vela, and also a former member of the Historic Advisory Board. And, the, and I think the only council member that has a degree in architecture, maybe? I don't, I don't know. I don't. Um, <laughs> I, I, um, I think my concern, so I, I have a couple concerns. One is 
Um, and I think there were a couple slides that uh, Ms. Henry put up that, that were fairly important. One was kind of the steps of the process. Um, this, is, this is not uh, the first step of the process. There's been um, considerable amount of opportunities for, for public input. Um, we've, we've had several council, um, two council retreats and, uh, that were publicly agendized. We've, we've done outreach. Um, so, you know, I, I, I don't want this to be a situation where what we do is we completely change or alter um, based off of the last thing that we've heard rather than based off of the considerable uh, input that we've had and, and the deliberation and the discussion that we've actually had with the full council as opposed to kind of being reactive at the last minute to um, kind of pitches to get things in that were perhaps already deliberated on and we, we made a determination to say these were our priorities. So um, I, I don't really, um, at least my intent is not to shift it. I think that that would actually be counterintuitive to what's been transparent considering that we've had considerable deliberation. Um, in terms of the addition of, of the terms, if we can have the slide put back up um, by the city clerk. Do you uh, want the one with all the red lines of everybody's changes? Or? That would be helpful. Okay, yeah. great. I have that one. Um, so I am going to share my screen. You, okay, it's coming. There we go. Can, okay. So in terms of the the words architecturally distinguished, I'm I'm a little bit concerned because there's a number of characteristics that ultimately distinguish architecture. And I think it really depends on, you know, are we focusing on, you know, it, what is the purpose of the structure itself? Like, is it purely utilitarian? Or is it, does it serve some sort of social function? Um, you know, some of the kind of, some of these, the importance of the building varies vastly based off of, of those sorts of factors. And, and then I would also question, you know, kind of, we, we do have neighborhoods that are fairly new that we wouldn't consider to be historic, whether it's, which is a considerable portion of, of the city. I mean, I would say Bay Farm Island, for instance. So I, I kind of worry about that, that term being put in, one, being misconstrued, and, and two, potentially being a little bit exclusive to uh, substantial portions of the city that have newer construction. Um, it's not to say that they're, they're not important. Um, all of our neighborhoods are important. Um, so that's, that's one thing. And I also think that it, it in many ways, kind of contradicts um, some of what we have to do. Uh, the Alameda Point was built purely utilitarian. Um, and I think there are many things, and we've, we've gone over it. It's been issues at the HAB where we've said, Yes, there's corrugated metal. It was utilitarian. Do you want to live in a corrugated metal building? Do businesses want to operate in a building that's corrugated metal and not have upgrades that would, would actually make it more useful um, in, in terms of adaptive reuse? So I, I have concerns about having that language being misconstrued in terms of boxing us in. But I understand. I think if there's a way to um, recognize, and I think the city manager talked about it, recognize the process that we have for our historic buildings and buildings that have been historically designated um, to go through different processes, which we, which we have. I, I would be open to, to maybe changing the language slightly to address that and to distinguish that we're not kind of 
in a way, you know, not including and, and then maybe limiting ourselves on things um, that is actually counterintuitive to what the process is. Um, and then, you know, I think I'm fine with the transparent uh, in decision making. I think we, we've, um, you know, our, our Open Government Commission and, and the Sunshine Ordinance, a number of different things that we do are um, in line with that. Um, and then I know that there were concerns that were raised about some existing projects, and I think, you know, this is really about being forward-looking, and that's really what the strategic plan is for. Um, it's not to undermine or diminish or say these projects that are already underway are not important and are no longer part of our priorities. They absolutely are. That's why we have them in our transportation plan. That's why we have them in our climate action and resiliency plans. Um, so I just I, I, I want to assure folks, and, and I'm fine. I think there have been some amends to kind of clarify things that are in progress. I'm okay with that. Um, but I, I, I want to make sure that there's... Um, that we're really keeping at the task at hand, which is figuring out how do we build on those things that are already underway. Um, so and I think we've, we've tried to address that as we've created this, uh, this plan. Thank you. Did you want to add anything else? Because I'm going down the, the list. Okay. All right. Um, Council Member Harris Spencer. All right. So um, I appreciate Council Member Jensen bringing these suggested changes. I do think that we could, I agree with uh, Council, uh, Council Member Bella, <laughs> sorry, um, that uh, maybe the language could be modified for the concern of misinterpreting architecturally distinguished. But I do think that um, uh, we treasure our, uh, we have different styles of architecture throughout our community. And so I think it would be great to figure out a way that uh, that, that uh, language um, works, I, I'll say. And uh, so, uh, but moving on, I wanted to say, I, I do have a concern of this coming back on consent. I don't think that is appropriate. Uh, for instance, right now, we each get nine minutes when an item, when it's on consent, we get five minutes total for all of the items on consent, which could be 10, 20 items. The public gets only two minutes for all of the consent items. Uh, and uh, versus being able to two minutes to speak to this item by itself. So I don't think it's enough participation by us or the council if it comes back on consent. Um, so why is, why, why does staff, is, does the staff think that it's gonna come back on consent? I guess one of the reasons we held the work session was we get a lot of comments. We've already had two retreats um, and we had a ton of community outreach. So I was gonna just weigh how many comments and changes there were. And then if, if we felt like, hey, we're making some edits to the vision statement, you all agree and provide some direction on projects, we can make those changes relatively quickly, come back. And it, it was just gonna be a judgment call as to how many changes there were. And if they're relatively you know, contained, then I think we we're gonna make the changes and bring it back on consent, and that way we could focus a regular agenda on other items. Okay, so I don't support that. I think it, it I mean, the, I love this transparent in decision making. I don't think that that would honor that. Um, so uh, uh, I do wanna also to discuss, we uh, had the, all, a lot of correspondence, very specific. I do support uh, the comments in regards to um, the, the uh, ACT uh, being specific, and I'm not sure where that lands, but I want it specific. That I think that is a legitimate concern. Uh, AAPS, very sp 
specific again, many points that they raised, including the vision statement. I do support all of that. Um, the trees, I have a serious problem with our trees being uh, removed when they're not supposed to be, and I don't know what we're doing to enforce that, but obviously, I, and I had actually brought a referral to do a tree protection uh, something ordinance way back when I was mayor, but our trees are absolutely critical. Everyone, I think, agrees that they are important for our uh, climate um, action, uh, but once they remove a tree that's been there 100 years, good luck. I mean, it's horrible. So I think that that, honestly, I'd love to see very specific, what is the plan? I'm very saddened that we're having the removal because we, some, somehow we're not protecting our trees. Um, so I do appreciate the speakers that brought that up. Um, and also in regards to planting new trees, uh, all of that, I think we could be much more precise of what our plan is. Uh, the veterans building, they, someone thanked us, and I'm, I also want to thank staff for their work on that and just make sure that we continue that. Um, trying to make sure I covered all the different correspondence we received. Um, the Naval Air Museum, I don't remember where that is, but um, I do think that that is an asset of our community as well as our Alameda Museum. And I do agree with the speaker that spoke to that we need help with the uh, making sure we're, we are actually preserving the, you know, that we're on top of that. And I don't know where that all fits in, but again, those are losses that we can't replace. Uh, so I appreciate the comment from the uh, public on that one. Um, I do have a concern in regards to when we did the, um, when council at our retreats, we put green dots on things, and some of the green dots had, some of the issues had one dot, this vacancy tax, that had one green sticker uh, from council, and yet it's on year one. So can you, can staff explain why something that only had one sticker from council is actually prioritized to year one? Yeah, I think um, basically, based on the work plan of the staff. So that's gonna be a finance department function that um, and our finance director actually worked on a vacancy tax in Oakland herself and I asked her when she thought she could bring something back and she said year one. So she has the capacity to do that and so that was why we put it in year one. If you'd like to postpone it and put it into a different year, we can, we can do that as well. Well, I personally think that when we all put our stickers that that should have been used in regards to prioritizing because we can all see we don't address all the work that we need to. We run out of time, um, which is unfortunate, but uh, when it comes to council, I think that will be a big discussion, and uh, which I want to be able to have, but I think it should be based on, I, I think all, so I was not able to go back and count all the stickers against the priority, but I think that when we are all asked to prioritize and we come up with some items that have four or five stickers, then they then those should have been earlier in regards to year one, year two, and whatnot, versus something that only had one sticker. So I, I think that that's a problem. There was also one in regards to a new short-term uh, rentals and that had two stickers now that was years two and three so that actually i think may make more sense in regards to that position but i would like ch staff to uh, point out and when they come back everything that's on year one uh, 
correspondent with how many stickers it had so we can actually see what staff is moving up when we all, trying to work together, figured out where we thought the priorities would be. Because yeah. I, I do think that's important to honor council's direction in that respect. Um, uh, okay, so. Mayor, is it okay if I just respond to that? Or do and you I'm gonna jump in too, because as I read in the staff report, Part of the process was the public um, council retreats, um, sessions that we had, priority setting workshops. But then another element of it was taking it back to the staff, to the EMT, the executive management team, because we are, you know, like three legs of a stool. And to be sure, the public is one of them, and that's why there was this robust public outreach in the, the workshops, the pop-ups, the surveys, and the city council. Certainly, we have a role, but nothing gets done without our staff, so we needed to hear from them, and we have hired a top-notch city manager. She's the CEO here, and she you know, delegates staff time, and so working with her team, I very much take to heart what her recommendations are for where to do this. I actually am just in awe of, of this plan. I mean, I have a few comments when it's my turn, but Miss um, Ott, over to you. That's exactly what I was going to say, is that we did have to balance your priorities with staff workload and, and then also obviously the community input as well. But we did have to make some judgment calls about how much you know, a different department was working on, what other projects they were doing, and what capacity they had to move these projects forward. Because remember, there is the essential operations in addition to these strategic priorities, so we're trying to balance that. But we did absolutely look at your priorities when we were coming up with this phasing plan. So I appreciate that, but I think it should be shared in regards to easy to check if something is year one and council gave it one sticker. I would like that highlighted. I really do think that I appreciate everyone else's input, but I, I want to have more uh, disclosure of when that occurs. Um, I also am concerned in regards to uh, raising new issues. Uh, for instance, view ordinance, it's my understanding our city doesn't have one. We've had a lot of discussion about that. Uh, how does, one, once we agree to the strategic plan, what happens with new thing, new issues that arise? How do they get incorporated? Does staff bring them back? Do we just, you know, what happens then? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. And our hope is that generally this is the work plan of the city that we, at mid-year and our budget cycle, we'd like to do it around the budget cycle because then you can make more, um, make trade-offs related to budget as well. But we acknowledge that there are things come up and that we didn't anticipate that aren't in here and we are happy to make changes. What I would just say is that we would want to, staff would then present, we'll have an actual section in the staff report that says strategic plan alignment and we may have an analysis for you, say, hey, well, if, if you'd like to adopt this new program or policy that wasn't in the strategic plan, it may mean that the vacancy tax goes to the second year. I'm just giving that as an example, right? Or that another ordinance, if it's the planning department, may have to happen, it may get delayed, or we may not be able to do everything. So we'll use this as a way for the council to make trade-offs about the capacity, and we'll disclose that and make that transparent as part of any new addition you want to make. Um, but it, but there will be trade-offs. All right, and then um, I, I also want to acknowledge, I think, at least for me, a big problem with this town right now is crime. And I'm not sure that we are actually keeping up as much as we can because um, uh, I've seen, for instance, that Berkeley, I think, now has surveillance cameras. 
and there are things like that that as crime increases in town, the different types of crime. And I did go to a recent community beat meeting, BEAT, and I do uh, want to thank our chief. I see him in the audience for uh, coming up with these beats and um, uh, having an opportunity for the public. And I do strongly encourage the public to get on the city's website, go to the Alameda Police Department. You can do BEAT, B-E-A-T, find out when your area uh, will show up where you can come and meet with the officers. But I think that uh, there are newer things that we may want to, based on our chief's recommendation, as you know, uh, new things become available, uh, to be able to address that in a timely manner. And I don't know if this means that I have to bring a referral or staff will be able to bring new things themselves uh, that aren't in the strategic plan. Yeah, it's meant to be a working document, but it is it helps us manage staff workload and council expectations and try to you know keep those somewhat aligned. But we do anticipate that this will change. Staff may have a great idea, our chief may have a new idea about how we can fight crime, and we will we're not gonna not bring a great idea to you just because it's not in the strategic plan, but we may say to you, look, we think this is a great idea and we should do this instead of this other thing that's in the strategic plan. And so we may have to present a trade-off to you and that'll be part of your decision-making as to whether or not you direct us to do, to do that work. So we will still, so I appreciate that answer. So we will still have a referral process where council members uh, can also uh, bring you know, su suggested issues. Of course, yes. And probably in staff's response to that referral, we'll probably use the strategic man as, strategic plan as a tool to so that council knows well yes we could you could move forward with this referral but again you may have to make some other changes in the strategic plan to take on that new work okay and also in regards to the diversity equity and inclusion and then we have belonging that title I have always thought that I'd like to I don't know when we came up with that I don't think I was on council in regards to it but there are different variations of that and so when that comes back I would like us to look at if we want to substitute for instance accessibility versus belonging there's different um, you know that's another thing that's been updated since whenever that title was adopted and but when that comes up. back so I thank see, you very I, much I think I see Councilmember Bellows hand before yeah, I, I did um, I think there were a couple things that would be helpful to clarify because you know one thing that we've we've kind of discussed is when this council can go out um, and uh, actually uh, have a, a walkthrough of Alameda Point mm -hmm. um, and how that kind of will tie in and maybe it's something that we can again kind of um, schedule to, to happen and agendize in a way that we invite the planning board we invite the HAB um, as well as the community to, to go out there. I, I do think that there has been some change over time um, in terms of what we're seeing in terms of the buildings. Um, I know we had a plan before in terms of what order the buildings would be up, things have changed. Um, so I think that that would also be, be helpful. Um, not necessarily a, a, a do out relative to this plan, but I think helps to continue to inform how we move forward. Um, the, my other concern is, and, and kind of going back to the concern that was raised about you know the year in which things happen, I, I guess my, um, you know, we at the second retreat we kind of responded to staff priorities and what staff thought was was feasible and going to be funded and things like that. I, I don't want to 
you know, I think we can prioritize, and I certainly think that we do sometimes say, hey, looking at all of this, we, we really think that we need to move this one thing up or these two things up. I don't want to kind of start pushing back and going through every single one saying, no, no, you have to start this in year one versus this other one, because there are grants. I don't want to be in a situation like other cities where they missed a major deadline um, on a major grant opportunity for a major issue like, you know, fighting crime or things like that, for instance. Uh, I'm not going to call out another city by name, but, you know, I, I don't want to put staff in a situation because they are monitoring the grants that are available. They are monitoring. They also know what the capacity is. And as much as we can say, oh, we're going to add another position, it does take time to post the position, interview, and fill the position. And so it, it, it's not as simple as just saying we're, we're going to add more staff. We actually have to find the right people for the job um, and then actually onboard them and give them time. So I'm, I'm actually comfortable with the with kind of the, the general timing of things. Obviously, I want to keep an eye on, on some of our transportation goals and things like that that we've, we've outlined. If we start falling further behind, I think we do have to come up with ways of maybe adjusting the budget. That's why we have the mid-year budget. Um, that's why we have um, some of the other meetings that we have to, to address those. So I, I think that that's the appropriate place rather than in the strategic plan itself. Councilmember Jensen, thank you. Um, I just wanted to clarify, um, too, I appreciate Councilmember Vela's remarks, and I just wanted to clarify um, one thing regarding the, the vision statement. I, um, I wasn't, unless I missed it, I think that the, this vision statement, the, the brief vision statement, the first time that it had been presented, we had seen um, a more extensive vision, vision statement in the first uh, retreat, and we responded to that, and there was some updates when we met the second time. So. Um, I didn't, I, I wasn't expecting or anticipating that this vision statement was the final one when I made some suggestions. And um, with regard to the, uh, what I did include, the architecturally distinguished um, line, it, that really wasn't meant to, and I, I didn't mean to, to suggest that it meant, was meant to exclude neighborhoods or suggest that resources should be focused only on historic Victorian area structures. I meant the term architecturally distinguished to recognize all the great variety of Alameda's built environment. Neighborhoods from Woodstock to Stonehenge to Casitas to Fernside, Alameda Point, and especially, and not to, not to ignore the 20 unique residential Harbor Bay Isle neighborhoods. So I um, just wanted to clarify that the historical distinguishment was not really, not at all by me intended to focus resources just on 100-year-old residential buildings. Thank you for that um, clarification, Councilmember Jensen. And while I was listening to the um, back and forth on this, I um, jotted down the term that I would propose to say our safe, architecturally varied neighborhoods, because Distinguished is one of those buzzwords that could have maybe kind of a Rorschach test, but could have you know different connotations. But you said it that we have a wide variety of neighborhoods, and I, I think it's it is um, part of the charm of our city. And you know, as far as bringing this back on the consent calendar, you know, one thing we need to do as a city, we spend all this time, hours and hours of staff time, and the public and the council. And at some point, we need to 
move forward with what we've we, we've decided, and we've done enough tweaking. We are going to make our comments, offer our input now, and staff will bring it back to us on consent. We can always pull it off consent if we think there's something that, that didn't capture. But I'm all for moving this forward. We've had lots of, of public uh, input. I do like the idea of the tree ordinance being strengthened and um, protecting existing trees and planting more. I've spent a little bit of time in the city of Palo Alto uh, recently over the summer. And just walking down those beautiful streets in those neighborhoods, they must have for a long time had a really uh, robust tree ordinance in place. I mean, it is known there. I think their um, slogan is the, the city of trees. But I think our staff could probably you know, uh, communicate with them. And how did you do that? So, um, and, and it is, as, as we face you know, climate change and global warming, this is one of the things that helps to cool our areas. So um, let's, let's um, hug our trees. And um, as far as the vacancy tax, I'm all for it being where it is. This is important. We have buildings in our downtown that are just sitting there. They could be being used, being leased, being sold, bringing revenue in. That is a good thing. Um, I had um, some recommendations for a little bit of language change. And this was on the, um, this is on page five of the, um, the uh, strategic plan where it says, this is the expanded vision statement. And um, I asked for the change, and I emailed this to staff, that rather than say we're low crime community thanks to our ability to meet the needs of our most vulnerable community members, because that kind of sounds like it's those vulnerable community members that are committing crimes. I suggested language that said, um, Alameda is a low crime community thanks to our ability to meet the needs of our most vulnerable community members while maintaining well-resourced public, uh, sorry, that isn't it, I would say. Um, it's on the screen. It's on the screen, did you put it in there? Okay. Yeah. Um, thanks to our ability to, yes, um, maintain well-resourced well public safety departments, plural. We also pride ourselves on providing ample mental health services. And so thank you. That I just, I think it's what was intended. I just um, broke it into two sentences. And um, the, um, the, I also said, and this is on under build, Resilience or under, um, let's see, house all Alamedans. What page is that on, Madam Clerk? It is probably um, page, um, it's page nine, I want to say. And yes, it is. So under house all Alamedans, they're the three P's of addressing um, homelessness and housing insecurity, which are um, uh, uh, production, preservation, and prevention. So I incorporated that into the language on uh, page nine. And then uh, really briefly on uh, page 14, CS8, expand access to pickleball courts. Um, Councilmember Jensen has offered to teach me pickleball, pickleball one day. I'm going to take her up on it. Um, there was a recent news article about how um, shopping centers, retail centers that have vacancies of large retail spaces are converting them to indoor pickleball courts. I think that might be something that our Recreation Parks Department might want to um, explore. And then um, I also um, wanted to address the um, 
on page 21, and there's talking about funding for the um, Bicycle Pedestrian Bridge. And I just want to share that this past Friday, um, staff, uh, city staff um, worked with me to put together a tour for stakeholders. And these were mostly stakeholders outside the city of Alameda because the Bicycle Pedestrian Bridge will be a regional project. But we had about 25 folks joined us on a beautiful day on a beautiful boat. And we um, explored the three top scoring locations for a bicycle pedestrian bridge. And we were joined by representative Barbara Lee's, Congresswoman Barbara Lee's office, U.S. Coast Guard Assemblymember Mia Bonta, County Supervisor Leah Tam, um, Alameda County Transportation Commission Executive Director, Metropolitan Transportation Commission, Port of Oakland, Bay Area Council, Caltrans, City of Oakland, City of Alameda. I was joined by a um, fellow council member from Oakland and representative of another one. And then, of course, our consultants, HNTB, and our project architect. And this was merely to, for the, the outside stakeholders, a lot of them um, hold purse strings, um, funding. We very much will plan to do a public uh, tour um, sometime to introduce the um, the Alamedans uh, to to this project, as um, as I noted, seeing is believing. Um, but anyway, I I am very pleased with this plan, all the work that has gone into it, and I am fully prepared to uh, support um, staff's um, request that we um, we uh, give our feedback and um, direct staff to move forward with this. And, and uh, Ms. Ott, remind us timeline on bringing this back. Yeah, well, we wanted to see how it went tonight. Mm -hmm. And I think that given the changes I hear, and I'm looking at, you know, Assistant City Manager Wooldridge and Communication Director Sarah Henry, I think we can bring it back relatively quickly. So probably the first meeting in November. Um, if not the second, but we'll shoot for that first meeting. Um, and so w is it helpful? Does do this council feel like you've provided input? And I mean, I, I've written it all down. I think I have a sense of what you want. Do you want me to repeat that back to you? Or do you feel like you've given clear direction and we should move forward? I trust your ability. Okay. And we also have a recording. Yes. <laughs> we have a city clerk. Okay. I think we have belts and suspenders here. So um, I'm good with that. Do we need a motion to just this is the direction it's incorporated? Yep. We'll see you in no, November. I think I think I have clear direction. Are there any clarifications? And if, if you might, if I could just say a big thank you, um, especially to Communication Director Sarah yeah. Henry, did a lot of outreach over the summer and a lot of time, and has done a great job working on this. And Assistant City Manager Wolger, but also the entire executive team that's here. And I just want to say a big thank you to everyone for all their hard work on this. So. <laughs> thank you. And and I will say, Ms. Henry is our energizer bunny here at City, city Hall. And. Uh, <laughs> Um, yeah, thank, thank you, you, Council. Yes, thank you so much for that. All right, all right. Let's move on to um, introduce our next item, if you would. Seven C. Yes, a public right. hearing to consider introduction of ordinance amending the zoning map, map for approximately 2280 square foot property at 1715 Lincoln Avenue, APN 7229911, from C1 Neighborhood Business District to R5 Residential District, in conformance with the property's general plan land use designation of medium density residential as recommended by the planning board under the California Environmental Quality Act, use of Alameda's general plan 2040, final environmental impact report, state clearing house number 20213563. No further environmental review is required. 
<laughs> well, I'm, I'm always kind of in awe of, of um, uh, uh, Ms. Weisinger's abilities, although some of us attended the Asian Health Services Benefit Gala on Saturday. I do have to tell you, Madam Clerk, the auctioneer there, he is like double time, but... <laughs> Uh, welcome. Would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. Good evening, Mayor Izzy Ashcraft and members of the City Council. My name is Brian McGuire, Planner 2 with the Planning, Building, and Transportation Department, and I agree. I'm glad Laura gets to do that part. <laughs> City Clerk. Um, this works. Here to present item 7C, a conformance rezoning of 1715 Lincoln Avenue. I'll try to be brief for you. Um, it's a small property, a little over 2,000 square feet at 1715 Lincoln, just between Grand Street and Minturn Street, um, located on the edge of the historic neighborhood business district uh, that we call Grand Street Station or Grand Station um, that grew up around the old streetcar stop. Um, originally developed around 1940 as a single family home. Uh, you might be able to tell in this picture a little small addition to the front of the home maybe in the 1950s. Um, we might call that an accessory commercial unit um, if we were using today's terms. Um, that sort of changed it from just a residential use to more of a commercial use or a mix of uses over time. Um, we are recommending tonight that you hold a public hearing and introduce an ordinance amending the zoning map um, to change this property from C1, Neighborhood Business District, to R5, Residential District, in conformance with the general plan land use designation of medium density residential, which we'll get into. Just to um, be clear, we did have a significant amount of public notice for this item um, between the J July planning board meeting and tonight. There's two 300-foot mailings to uh, neighborhood residents and property owners, couple newspaper ads, as well as posting the public notice on the site itself ahead of each meeting. And Mr. McGuire, a 300-foot mailing means to the Yeah, that would it, be yeah. A, a, radi a radius from the parcel, any parcel that touches within 300 feet, any um, residential address that's part of um, our requirements, um, our public noticing requirements for this type of item. A uh, little history, a couple old maps here. Um, on the left is the 1948 Sanborn insurance map that shows, you can see the original structure marked with a D for dwelling um, prior to the addition of the commercial space in the front, which brought the structure all the way to the property line. Um, but by 1958, when we adopted the first zoning map um, for Alameda, um, this property was included in the commercial district as part of the C1 zoning district. Um, so you can see it sort of, that's, that's about in the 50s when, when the use started to change. Um, and that C1 zoning has lasted until today, um, which is what we're proposing to change. Um, in your recently, relatively recently adopted Alameda 2040 general plan, this property was designated in the land use element as uh, medium density residential. That's in contrast to the darker orange here, um, where the rest of the commercial properties um, were designated as neighborhood mixed use, which is more consistent with the commercial activity that goes on there. Um, what C1 zoning, back to the zoning code, as opposed to the general plan, really means is, is ground floor retail, right? It's these neighborhood business districts. Um, and retail use is incompatible with that medium density um, 
residential general plan designation. In addition to that um, incompatibility, the property itself has lots of deferred maintenance. Um, retail uses are public accommodation, which means in order to function, um, they'd have to meet current, you know, certain building codes and ADA accessibility um, that pose, have posed a real challenge for the, any of the property owners that have had this and have contributed to it being vacant for at least 12 years. Um, so we're proposing and the applicant is, is requesting that you change the zoning from C1 to R5, which permits residential uses, um, which is what the, the property originally was used as, and um, eliminates that commercial zoning. Um, the R5 zoning is, is what you see to the east and to the north of the property. Um, these three houses on the left um, were actually all developed from one larger, larger lot around 1940. Um, obviously, we think with this rezoning, we're, we'd only likely be adding a single additional unit um, towards our 5,353 eight-year um, housing needs allocation goal, but um, it counts. Um, but more importantly, I think we believe that would enable a certain amount of reinvestment um, into the property and pro potentially provide a um, relatively affordable uh, home ownership opportunity given the, the small size of the, home, the property and the, the structure itself as well as the property. Um, I do want to acknowledge that the rezoning would create um, certain existing non-conforming conditions um, of the existing buildings on the property, um, not unique in Alameda with our old housing stock and old buildings that um, were developed prior to our zoning code and the setback requirements and other development standards that entails. Um, so really what that means is you'd have a, a pretty limited ability to expand what's there now. Um, you start talking about 20-foot front yard, 20-foot rear yard setbacks, five-foot five side yard setbacks, and um, you would end up with a relatively small sort of redevelopable parcel. So kind of what you see is what you get. Um, that condition obviously does allow the property owner to repair or, or make you know, maintenance and reconstruction improvements on what's there. Um, the planning board did unanimously recommend that you uh, change the zoning for 1715 Lincoln from C1 to R5 at its July 24th meeting. And that is our recommendation to you tonight to hold a public hearing and introduce an ordinance amending the zoning map to rezone the property at 1715 Lincoln Avenue from C1 to R5 in conformance with the general plan land use designation of medium density residential. Um, staff and the applicants are here if you have any questions. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. McGuire. Um, Council, any clarifying questions for Mr. McGuire? Councilmember Spencer. Hi, I appreciate your report, um, Mr. McGuire. Uh, I would like a little more clarification in regards to if um, uh, the, the current owners sell the property, what would be the maximum height of if they sell it and some, or if they just choose to demolish it, um, what would be the maximum height of a new building if someone, you know, of a residential building and how many units? Sure. Um, so the R5 zoning um, allows up to 40 feet in height. Um, and so that would technically be the height limit. Um, 
in order to demolish the existing building because it was built before 1942, just barely, it is subject to our historic preservation rules and so it would require a certificate of approval from the historical advisory board and that is a discretionary approval um, to demolish the existing structure. But if that were to happen, you would have that 40 foot height limit and then also those setback requirements that I think would come into play on a lot like this. So um, there would not be a way to get like a, you know, increased density if they do more affordable units? Yeah, so the, the zoning would allow um, basically one unit for every 871 square feet of lot area, which gets you basically two units um, allowed on a lot of this size in, in an R5 zoning district. Um, and if they were to sort of redevelop, they would only have about a 600 square foot, give or take, um, sort of pad in the middle to build on, but technically um, the zoning does allow, uh, would be, I believe two would be how the math would work out for this property. And how many stories is uh, 40 feet? Um, I think most like new townhomes you see get developed in town these days are three stories tall and they're usually around 35 to 40 feet. So we would anticipate something like a three story structure um, would be what would be the maximum you would be able to do under that height limit. Okay, so then in that neighborhood, at least the buildings next to them, my recollection is that they are single level, just like this building. So how does that work then? Um, I'm not sure what all the height limits or what all the structures are around, but uh, yeah, I would imagine there's mostly one and two story buildings in the area. Um, just like any property owner, they would, they would get the benefit of the existing zoning code should they pursue an opportunity to sort of add on or redevelop the property. So they might end up with uh, three story buildings when there's nothing like that on that block, I don't think, in fact, but definitely not on both sides. Yeah, I think the zoning code would allow that and it would allow the, the neighbors to, like say if they wanted to add an addition or a second unit on their property, it would allow them to that same opportunity. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Okay, um, Madam Clerk, public comment? We do have one, uh, Mark Hurstman. Oh, welcome. <laughs> I'm patiently waiting. Thank you, Mayor Ashcraft and uh, Council. Uh, I am one of the applicants, so just to put that out there. So I want to give a little context as to what our plans are for the property and a little bit of context around, around what's going on here. Uh, my partner Nick and I purchased the property roughly five years ago in anticipation of it being a cannabis dispensary when we were going through all the cannabis ordinances and such, and I spoke to most of you at that time several times. So our purchase uh, at the time was in good faith, anticipating it to be used for commercial use. Uh, unfortunately, we were not selected uh, through that process, so we're now looking to wind down our investment. Um, you know, after great consideration, uh, we feel that it's best for ourselves, the neighborhood, and the city to convert this over to residential, add to the housing stock, we are currently working with the Gunnerman Group, a local real estate group, and through working with them, we are prepared to make approximately $80,000 worth of improvements to the property and then selling it as a retail space. 
Those plans have no plans to change the footprint of the property itself. We're not planning on building up. We're not planning on changing any walls. It's simply going to be repairs and remodeling of kitchen and bathroom and that sort of thing, making it a livable space. So what we're hoping for in the end is to be able to create a property that can sell uh, as a residential unit for probably a good starter home or a retirement home since it is a small one-bedroom place. Gives an opportunity for somebody to get into the Alameda market for less than a million dollars, which is getting exceedingly difficult to do. Uh, it will improve the neighborhood uh, through beautification. It, again, it's been 12 years vacant. It is dilapidated and it needs a lot of TLC, which we are prepared for. We've just shifted from a commercial use to a residential use. I can also see you didn't get a lot of pictures of the interior of the property. Uh, the interior was never changed to a commercial use. It still has a full, a full kitchen, a full bathroom, a bedroom, and a great room. And then that deck is sort of a sunroom in the front that was, I understand, was permitted back in the 50s. So no plans to raise the property and build something new there. Uh, no plans to make major changes or any changes to the footprint of the property and the space that it's in. Um, really just looking to leave the property uh, in better condition, significantly better condition than we found it. I would also add that since our plan is to sell the property, it'll also, of course, be reassessed for tax purposes, and I imagine the property taxes will pro close to double based on my estimation. So significant increase in tax revenues for the city as well. Thank you. Thank you. Our next speaker. That was our only speaker. Okay, well, we will then close public comment on item 7C. And it seems pretty straightforward. It was unanimously approved by the planning board. Madam Mayor, I'd like to move approval. We have a motion. Do we have a second? Second. Been moved by Council Member Vela, second by Council Member Jensen. All those in favor, signify I'd by like stating. I'd like to speak on the item. Of course. Uh, I want to thank our speaker, and I want to thank actually both of the property owners. Um, I. Um, I honestly thought that you know you bought this for a purpose. Uh, it didn't work out. I think that now you're figuring out a better use moving forward, uh, and I appreciate that. And I look forward to actually seeing the improvements. And I do agree that it, I think it will, in fact, uh, beautify you know the the neighborhood and help with housing. So thank you very much. Thank you. We've had a motion. It's been seconded. All those in favor, signify by stating aye. 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 That motion passes unanimously, four to zero, because poor council member or vice mayor Desog is hopefully fast asleep. All right, we have gotten through the regular agenda. We move on to item eight, which is city manager communications. Great, thank you, Mayor. <clears throat> um, applications closed this week for Rise Up Alameda and this, the city's guaranteed income program. We had 2,368 Alamedans apply and our team is reviewing the applications for eligibility and will then randomly select the 150 individuals to participate in the program. Also, the smoky error we see and feel today is from wildfires in Northern California and Oregon, and an air quality advisory has been issued through tomorrow that says while smoky, hazy skies may be visible and the smell of smoke is possible, pollution levels are not expected to exceed federal health standards and there is no spare the air alert in effect so far, but we'll keep our eyes on it and let folks know if that changes. Um, the city is asking Alameda residents and businesses their thoughts about City Hall's winter holiday decorations and event. An online survey is posted on the city's homepage and there are two events this week where you can share your thoughts. 
And then four upcoming events. Uh, Saturday, September 23rd is Nuestros Colores, an art and culture festival of the Americas and part of the PAL in the Park family, Parks Family Concert Series by Rhythmics. Tuesday, September 26th is the city's annual job fair located across from Traboco at South Shore Center from 2 to 4. And then Saturday, September 30th is a free family fun bike ride around Alameda starting at 10 a.m. at Lincoln Park and riding to Sweeney Park. And you can register at uh, alamedaparks.org forward slash bike four, the number four parks. And then later that same day, Saturday, September 30th at 1 p.m. is a community workshop at D-Bay Park to talk about Alameda's next park. So thank you very much. Thank you. Busy place. Madam Clerk, do we have any oral communication speaker? Uh, Carmen Reed. All right. Welcome, Speaker Reed. Good evening again, Madam Mayor and City Council members. And thank you um, for this last opportunity to say a few words. Um, so I wanted to address the mayor directly because I heard her on two occasions this evening say something that is um, what I believe is somewhat incorrect about the Alameda Museum. So I have been a docent um, for the past couple of years at the museum, and I was also a docent at the museum when I was in high school. So the museum is, is very um, near and dear to my heart, and um, I, I wanted to correct uh, the mayor's statements that the museum is not just a Victorian, um, you know, um, Victorian artifacts. The museum has Native American artifacts. It has information about Alameda's maritime history. It has um, displays about the schools, about businesses um, that, uh, that, that helped shape our, our community. Um, there's also a display on Lucille Ball, for example, and, and movie posters. So it's not just Victoriana. And I um, would like to, to welcome the mayor to the museum. And, uh, and if she does accept my invitation, I would be very happy to be her docent at the museum. So thank you very much. Thank you. Our next speaker. That was our only speaker. All right, with that, we will close oral communication. But we, um, <laughs> that was my alarm that we'd have to do a motion to go <laughs> past 11 for a, a vote. Um, uh, we skipped over an important announcement from the city manager. So back to you, city manager. I apologize. I wanted to let uh, the city council and the community know that we did receive a 2023 award of excellence for opportunity empowerment for Dignity Village. Um, and so I have it here, um, and I also wanted to acknowledge Lois Butler, who our economic development manager, who was really instrumental in that project. So she left, but to also thank her and the staff for all their hard work on that. So, and just yay. to put a little few more details to this, this is an award from the American Planning Association, the California statewide chapter. So first, our project won the award for the Northern California chapter of the APA. But then as a winner of, of that regional award, it was submitted for statewide recognition. And so um, yesterday, right, Monday, Lois Johnson and uh, Lois Butler and Marcy Johnson from Community Development, who both worked on the project, but as the city manager noted, Lois Butler just really shepherded that through. Um, and so it's really a proud moment that it, rec it received this statewide um, acknowledgement from the um, association, American Planning Association. So um, 
good for good for us. Um, thank you. Okay, um, we don't have any um, council referrals, and so under um, council communications, uh, council members have up to nine minutes to address any matter, matter not on the agenda, including reporting on conferences or meetings. And I'll start to my right, Council Member Herrera Spencer. I'd rather pass it this time, thank you. Well, actually, I'm starting to my right, and then when I get to Council Member Jensen, I'm stopping and adjourning the meeting. So if you'd like to speak, as... Um, so I don't think that is uh, appropriate, uh, but I will speak, but we usually get to you know, raise our hands and see who wants to go first. Uh, so I do want to speak to um, the crime that's been happening in this city, and I like to share what I think are very significant uh, incidents that I'm not sure everyone is aware of, and I did speak earlier that I do encourage everyone to uh, go to the city's website, the Alameda Police page, beat, B-E-A-T, find out which beat you reside in, or if you're a business person, which beat your business is in, and attend uh, the upcoming meetings. They're almost always Tuesdays, but sometimes they're at the library, sometimes they're at the police station, uh, different places that will be, I think, convenient to whatever beat it is. Uh, but, um, so uh, some incidents uh, that are, um, okay, September 8th, we had an armed robbery, 2100 block South Shore, and it was uh, 9.20 p.m. is when it occurred, which is really not that late. And I think quite often members of the public are, there's a lot of stuff that's still open at South Shore um, at that time. So I, uh, what happened was, uh, uh, so it's a, a, a juvenile male was riding a bicycle in a parking lot. Uh, two unknown males approached the victim, one displaying a firearm in his waistband, and demanded his property. Uh, the, su the suspects fled with the loss and were not located uh, by the responding officers. Um, another incident that I, I want to share with you, an armed carjacking that occurred at 1700 block of Shoreline Drive. That was actually on September 11th, and that was at 1.35 in the morning. So that, that is in the, uh, uh, but that the address is 1700 block of Shoreline Drive. So again, I think that there's uh, businesses that are pretty, I, I'm not sure what time the Safeway closes at um, shore, South, South Shore, but uh, again, you could have someone going to the grocery store, going home, and then, uh, uh, an armed carjacking. So what occurred on that one was an adult male victim was carjacked at gunpoint by a group of unknown adult male suspects. The suspects fled the scene with the victim's vehicle. No one was injured. The vehicle's vic uh, vehicle was found abandoned in the middle of a nearby street. Um, and again, uh, uh, at least at that, that time, uh, the suspects had not been located. Another serious incident, September 15th, 1 p.m., so afternoon, attempted armed robbery, 1,000 block Taylor Avenue. On uh, that time, APD received several calls regarding a subject brandishing a firearm. So we have had, mul we continue to have multiple of these incidents. If you go to the city's website, we have a, a graphic, uh, it's a, a program, crimegraphics.com. Org, I believe, 
where you can look up certain areas, you can uh, look up types of crimes, and you can see, unfortunately, last time I looked, you still can't, there is a weapons that you could check and see, but uh, that I don't, I think that's gonna be updated, but right now, incidents don't show up that uh, include the weapons. Um, I also want to share, as many of you know, the state of California offered uh, $267 million of grants to help address uh, law enforcement of uh, organized retail theft. And some of you may have seen that um, Oakland, uh, sadly, uh, missed the deadline. Uh, uh, and I have asked, and I've been asked in regards to what happened with our city. Our city apparently did, was unaware, this is my understanding, was, was unaware of that grant opportunity, so did not even apply. Um, so I, and I um, would encourage, like personally, I have uh, actually, in my capacity as a city council member, I have reached out to assembly member Mia Bonta's office um, in response to communication we received from them in regards to can they help us either get other monies or extend the time, can they waive the deadline for the city of Oakland. Uh, I think we all know that uh, the crime must be addressed not just in our city but in Oakland too and, and that we have serious needs in regards to additional support. And we've expended quite a bit of money trying to attract more officers. So we definitely have need for uh, financial resources in that respect. I also want to add that recently we had Alameda Architectural Preservation Society did their 50th legacy home tour. And that was just this past Sunday. Um, I volunteered there. So if you came by, you may have seen me in my uh, best attempt at uh, Victorian attire, but many of our community members support that event and attended, and I want to thank everyone that volunteered, everyone that attended, and, and then the people that offered their homes, because we were back to having the home tours where you could go inside and see people's homes. I also was able to attend the Blues, Brews, and Barbecue uh, that was at Upper Washington Park. I want to thank our staff that I know helped uh, organize that, uh, and the West End Arts District. Uh, it, they did a marvelous job. The event started in 2017. They missed some years because of COVID, but it was greatly attended. And I strongly, you know, highly encourage you next year, the same time, mid-September, I'm sure they're going to do it again. That was it's a wonderful event. Another event that I was able to attend, some of you may have been there uh, out at the point, and I was just going to look up. Uh, I think that was also West End Arts District that put it on, but I wasn't able to confirm, um, uh, but um, they actually had people essentially rappelling and dancing to music off the side of um, out by Dash and Urban um, Cellars uh, uh, at the point. And so I encourage you to follow this West End Arts District. I think that they're doing a lot that many of us uh, you know, enjoy. Um, and I will be attending a conference in Sacramento, I think, with quite a few of you um, uh, for uh, California League of Cities. That's, that's starting tomorrow. But also today, um, as I believe, I'm not sure who mentioned it, but uh, I was, when I was on school board, we did have a couple of our schools um, 
apply to be part of this green green schools and uh, Bay Farm Elementary and Edison were acknowledged by the state and I was only able to attend the one at Bay Farm this morning. Uh, uh, but um, I think that you know, long term, and these programs are driven by not, you know, by the school staff, but also parents and community members that donate. So you know, so when you see a nearby school or, or any school in our town and having any fundraisers, your money is really being uh, wisely spent long term. And it was, a, and also, you know, it was just a lot of fun to go back and visit schools and see how. Amazing, amazing work that's occurring. Thank you very much. All right, and Councilmember Vela. Um, thank you, Madam Mayor. Uh, just uh, a couple of things. Um, yeah, I was at the tour today um, as part of my day job with the Department, California Department of Education. Um, the the Green Strides Tour is is part of the U.S. Department of Education's Green Ribbon Schools Program which is a public engagement initiative uh, for school sustainability that's um, structured as a federal recognition award. Um, but what it really does is it highlights schools um, that are uh, you know, promoting sustainability practices um, and uh, really integrated uh, educational opportunities around environmental stewardship and um, environmental sustainability. And we did have two schools that got that prestigious award um, that were part of this tour. Uh, we actually, it's a, it's a three-day tour um, uh, of nor Northern and Southern California uh, with the Assistant Secretary from the U.S. Department of Education um, uh, in partnership with the California Department of Education. So it's a, it's a fairly big deal. Our schools are, are really being honored, um, not just for the practices that they engage in at the school, um, but also for, for the work that the students have done that have, has really extended beyond the school. Um, our, our focus at uh, Edison Elementary today was really on safe routes to, part of it was on safe routes to school. They had over 85 students uh, that biked to school today. Um, at, at, over 85 students uh, bike to school oh, today. Yeah. Um, and that's significant. On, on average, they have uh, far fewer, but when they've uh, done concerted efforts um, and, and um, uh, had promotions for, for um, alternative bike to school days that have um, lasted several days, they've actually seen uh, behavior change over time. Um, I also want to shout out uh, the Edison Green Otters uh, program. Mm -hmm. um, that's why we have the, the uh, the ordinances that we do here in the city, um, banning the use of single-use straws and um, our ordinance around compostables for um, takeout uh, containers that was in large part driven by the students at that school. And now the state of California, there's a bill actually on the governor's desk um, by Senator Allen that would make that a requirement uh, starting in 2032. So we're well ahead um, of the rest of the state uh, and um, that's how important those programs are in terms of uh, long-term stewardship and, and climate activism in our students. So I really wanted to appreciate um, our student leaders uh, as well as our educators at those schools. Um, and, and also highlight, uh, walk and roll to school for Alameda County is October 4th. It's the day after our next council meeting. Um, but I, I think it's important to highlight, I would like to see an Alameda school get the golden, uh, golden boot or the golden sneaker this year. Um, we've got fierce competition from other cities, but um, you know, I think as, as we can start helping um, uh, and, and work on our safe routes to school and, and making sure that we're really um, being good partners 
um, it's going to promote more uh, more students walking and biking to school, and um, hopefully everyone will, will be uh, just as safe as it would be every other day. But um, keep that out uh, that date uh, in their minds. Um, also, uh, Saturday is going to be the St. Philip Neary Fall Festival. We're coming up on the season of fall festivals for our schools, and, and hopefully um, our community will be supporting all of our schools here in town. I know um, a number of uh, AUSD schools have their fall festivals coming up as well. Um, this last weekend, I uh, joined the mayor, uh, as well as our city manager and a number of city staff, our city attorney, um, at the uh, Asian Health Services Gala uh, to celebrate um, their many years of service uh, in culturally competent, uh, uh, culturally competent uh, service that's um, being provided in a number of different languages. Uh, and really want to thank them for their work here in the city of Alameda. Um, and. Uh, you know, I think one of the things that was highlighted and, and done very well um, at the gala was kind of highlighting um, the different work and outreach that they've done in a number of different areas, whether it you know, be in, in direct health services, testing, um, all of those things. But they, they did a fantastic job at the gala of making sure that uh, people got tested, people were masked, um, and, I, and I think that that really speaks to the fact that as we're having these these large events, and I'll be going to the League of Cities uh, this week with my colleagues, um, it's just important uh, things are going around, and uh, one of our colleagues is, is out sick now. Uh, thank you for that, Councilmember Bella, and I'll just segue on. It was a really nice um, 49th um, anniversary gala for Asian Health Services, and um, the, I was really struck by all the different things that they do, including addressing API hate and violence. But they also talked about, there's some great slide presentations, film presentations actually, about some of their dental care practitioners linked dental care to mental health care and realized that for some people, they will never get screening for being asked those questions. So when you're there for your dental screening, they make a point of asking questions that go to the condition of your mental health and then um, helping direct you to, to needed um, services. It's, it's remarkable. And there were a couple of distinguished honorees, um, one of them, you may remember the name Brandon Say, is that how you pronounce it? Who um, demonstrated remarkable courage early th earlier this year. You may remember the Monterey Park shootings during Lunar New Year celebrations. This gunman went to one dance hall, Asian dance hall, and shot many people, killed many people. He went to a second one, and this young man, who's just like in his late 20s, I would say, just struggled with them and and disarmed this this gunman and um, so he has since started a foundation. He was um, he was the guest of President Biden at the State of the Union address. He's been awarded a Medal of Courage from the Alhambra um, Police Department. That's where this um, his family's business was. But he spoke to us, and then our other honoree was Christy um, Yamaguchi, uh, ice skating star, the first Asian American woman, first Asian American to ever win a medal 
in the Winter Olympics. And I will say that there was one community member, not at our table, but in attendance, who happened to have saved the special case cereal box. We figured it was from 1992. Cereal was gone, but Christy Yamaguchi in her skating, you know, Olympic skating outfit was on it. And did she approach Christy Yamaguchi and um, get, ask for an autograph? She did, and she got it, and <laughs> it was lovely. But she, um, Christy Yamaguchi has, who lives in the Bay Area, incidentally, she has started a foundation um, promoting early literacy um, through family engagement with children and families and children um, at risk. And so it was just, it was a delightful um, event, and I was so glad to have a nice Alameda presence. On um, Saturday, September 9th, I attended St. Philip Neri's um, First Responders Memorial Mass, and Chief Luby, um, Fire Chief Luby, was there with about. I don't know, eight or nine of his um, his firefighters were there. It was very nice. On Thursday, September 14th, I attended Alameda Education Foundation's Back to School Barbecue. Very well attended event. You know, they always raise funds to um, supply backpacks for kids who can't afford those um, supplies and um, uh, get them ready to go back to school. Um, I talked about the gala that we attended on Saturday evening. This Monday, yesterday, in the morning, I was invited to a press conference at Oakland International Airport. The port recently came out with its um, economic impact study of all the jobs that the port, which is, of course, the Oakland, but all the port of, um, the port of Oakland, and then their commercial real estate holdings, which is largely Jack Linden Square. And I believe the number was 1,572 Alamedans, roughly um, thereabouts, um, have job uh, are working in some capacity at the port. I was there, joined by the mayors of Oakland and San Leandro. And later that same day, yesterday, um, we had the 15th anniversary celebration of our sister city relationship with Jing China. And um, Councilmember Harris Spencer was there. Um, I attended. City staff um, were there. It was very, very nice. And they put up an art display, and um, and gifted me with a beautiful brush painting that um, will be hanging in my office soon. But um, that was very nice. So and yes. Um, we're all, I'm hopping on a train tomorrow morning, and I'll see my colleagues up in Sacramento. We're there for League of California Cities, and I'll be at Nuestros Colores on Saturday, and um, so on and so forth. Thank you all for your time. Um, staff, Madam, yes, ma'am. Ma Madam Mayor, oh, I'm so I, sorry. I was going down the ladder, and you were my last speaker. Yes, ma'am. Oh, thank you. Yes, you are. Thank you. Yes, yes. Sorry, Tracy, um, Council Member Jensen. Apologies. Um, yeah, and thank you also for appointing me to the Alameda County Waste Management Authority. Or to develop policies to support um, support the environment, and it was great today to see my my colleagues there. Several Stopway staff, along with representatives from Nancy Skinner and Assemblymember Bonta's office, at the two Alameda schools that received the U.S. Department of Education Environmental Award. Um, I just want to mention a couple of the programs I know that others have already done. So Edison has a robust fundraising program by students, and I remember this, and I remember helping to move those those um, green and, and blue waste around and, and helping to support students. But these are all student-led programs. At Bay Farm, 
School is a model for AUSD composting and recycling. What they both have in common, which I particularly appreciate, is that both have students supported and led um, anti-idling policies for cars at both sites. And so we want everyone to walk to school, but if you have to drive, turn your car off when you're there. Um, and so it was great to see that. And finally, the, the gardens, which um, really great for me to visit the school gardens that were first planted when I was a member of the school board in 2004 or 2005. Um, finally, let me appreciate um, Councilmember Herrera Spencer for mentioning the resources provided by APD, the BEAT meetings. Re um, other resources that APD provides is our monthly reports and updates, which are very interesting. And I want to point out um, that the APD is doing a tremendous job in one great area that I'm particularly excited about is traffic citations. In August, traffic citations went from citations, and I'm sorry, this is pulling people over for driving poorly in Alameda, from 251 to 809, over 200, about 230% increase in people getting pulled over. Last Monday, uh, I was at the library, and there were two officers parked in their on their motorcycles right outside the library and I spent some time talking to them and they they are very proud of what they're doing. They're proud of working for Alameda. They're proud of being able to increase safety, pedestrian safety, vehicle safety and safety for bicyclists in Alameda and I'm proud to have the Alameda Police Department and those people working for us. The other information in the reports, take a look at it. Go to the APD website, Alameda Police Department. The catalytic converters thefts are down by 70%. It's just amazing. We're doing a tremendous job. Thank you, Chief Joshi, in the audience, and to all of our APD officers. Very proud. Thanks. And thank you, Councilmember Jensen, because you reminded me I skipped over a portion of my report, which was that um, you know the council does get updates on the crimes that um, that the Alameda Police Department solves. And as I said at the last meeting, we're a city in the Bay Area. We are not immune from crime, but and we don't like to you know, call out other cities, but the numbers are there if you wanted to compare. But for instance, we have a very responsive police department and impressive case closure rate. Um, back in July, July 18th, there was a robbery in Alameda. Police department identified suspect vehicle and two suspects were arrested for a robbery spree that had gone through Contra Costa and Solano counties. In early August, there was a sexual assault incident. Patrol officers were diligent in their follow-up. This led to an arrest of the suspect the same night. On um, September 13, officers were on a directed patrol at South Shore Shopping Center. While there, they located a stolen vehicle. Through their follow-up, they located subjects who were subsequently arrested for possession of a stolen vehicle, shoplifting, and possession of burglary tools. On September 14, 2023, that's the next day, there was an LPR, that's license plate reader alert. Officers located a stolen vehicle in the 2600 block of Blanding, that's the Knob Hill Shopping Center. It was occupied by one person. Officers um, responded and eventually took um, this individual in the stolen vehicle into custody. And as the uh, as my colleague, uh, Councilmember Jensen, noted, there have been decreases in crime um, recently notably um, in catalytic converter theft and um, increase in the traffic stops. And so um, we thank the police department for doing that. And with that, Excuse we me, adjourn Mayor, the I'd meeting. Like to add and an item. Um, and circle back to we, yourself, so I'd like to uh, add something uh, that I forgot. Actually, um, we are, okay, you have one minute. 
I appreciate that. So I was also able to attend the Alameda Welfare, Welfare Council luncheon. It was their 95th. Their website is alamedawelfarecouncil.org, and you can join that organization. They do really, really good work uh, throughout our community. It's a very important or, uh, nonprofit for us. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. All right, with that, meeting is adjourned. Thank you, staff. Thank you, everyone, for your time. I'll see some of you in Sacramento. Everyone else, go home. Have a good, safe rest of your evening. Thank you. <laughs>